everyone. Welcome to uh, what is now the finale of, of our series on Fujiko Mine. Uh, this is No Wall Scroll. I'm Trevor Strunk, Kegelbon on Twitter, and I'm here with my good friend Emily. Um, hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. I, uh, I I got to watch the last four episodes of this wonderful show, uh, which I will say um, it's still by the end quite heavy. Um, there's some, <laughs> something to be said about uh, so spoilers for the end of the show, which you're going to be listening to. Um, there's something kind of less heavy once you realize that this doesn't impact the like the 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 continuity of Fujiko as like a character and like Lupin generally. Not that it doesn't affect it, but it doesn't like it doesn't become like Fujiko's past is a a terribly abused child or something. Um, but I don't know why that is because it all still happened and uh, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty rough. But like. Boy, they land. They stick the landing. It's really something. It, it really hinges on on everything has to be wrapped up in a satisfying way, and they do it. Boy, howdy, do they do it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, it is. It's one of those things where uh, I don't know. Like, I was I was watching it. I've been um, I'm thinking about this because I've been playing a lot of like RPGs and like like usually like. <laughs> You know, since I was 14 uh, or so, I've been playing a lot of RPGs <laughs> and um, uh, like I feel like a lot of times when people get all worked up, I guess this discourse came up because uh, Xenoblade Chronicles came three came out and people get all worked up about like Japanese games being incomprehensible or something. Um, I don't think they're any more or less incomprehensible than other games, but like I do think they swing for the fences in terms of their plots. And like a lot of games will do the thing where there is an enormous idea. I and honestly, I feel like Japanese games do this better than uh, the the counterpart genre that does this all the time, which is horror fiction. Um, but I always get worried when I see like a huge ambitious plot because like, OK, this is either <laughs> going to land and I'm going to love it or like 95 percent of the time it's going to leave me being like, oh, that was kind of like it was fine. I liked the build up a lot better. Um, right right but yeah no it was like if you were wondering if they were ever going to explain what the uh what the owls were and why they were around and what they were plotting um fear not like i i thought we'd get some loose symbolism about it but boy we get a full full explication that never feels like it lags if you thought Fräulein Oile was going to be the only gratuitous German, <laughs> you were in for a surprise. <laughs> no, they, they, it also features the most gratuitous German of all time, uh, GWF Hegel, uh, who I, <laughs> my, my boy. Uh, I will, I'll, go, I'll get this out of the way at the beginning, I, because no one wants to hear me uh, go off on this in the middle of the episode. It is really cool the way that um, uh, they worked in... Um, the, the writer, the director, I'm not sure, you know, with these shows, it's always a, a, a fairly complex process to figure out who or opaque process, I guess, is what I'm thinking of to figure out who, uh, you know, did what. But um, the, the the fitting in of the Owl of Minerva from that Hegel quote, which is from the uh, if anyone's curious from the philosophy of right, uh, the intro to the philosophy of right. Um, and it's about uh, how you can't distinguish uh history or like you can't distinguish like political or social crisis in the moment that it's happening you have to sort of uh view it from the context of the ruins and as hegel would say and i love how that is both true when you think that it's fujiko's life you're you're looking into and when it's uh when it's revealed at the end whose life it actually is that that observation rings true regardless which is really great 
Um, I was I was like I was shocked how well they they brought in that little insight by Hegel that I think probably is one of his most useful uh, to to the real world insights, but still uh, fairly opaque and, and difficult. So very very cool for for my philosophy corner. They definitely get the idea of um, historicity and ontology the way Hegel imagined it. It's really funny to uh, to have that happen in the same show that did. Uh, what if World War Three with Che? <laughs> yeah, that episode. I, I like. I like. So in this one, you get like flashbacks to some of the previous episodes, and any other obviously ones that stick out more, like the uh, the painted woman and the. Um, uh, the 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 one where it's the uh, the fortune teller, like uh, you know, who tells the death of people. Like obviously, you're like, okay, I think these might, you know, come back around somehow. Um, but boy, the one that comes back around least has to be the Che episode. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a real a real uh, message in a bottle there. Not like just coming in from a completely different series to to show up briefly. Like they work in uh, uh, a little bit with Chicholina, even the mob yeah. boss and and no, Jigen no, and all, but going Mon's debut or not debut, but his second episode, nothing, absolutely nothing. It was incredible. Like like the the fact that like they they have the owls come and give Chicholina uh, Fujiko's resume and and like that Lupin says like, well, of course that's how he met her, Jigen, and it's like, oh wow, so cool. It's like, but what about why was she a? <laughs> did the owls make her be a reporter in in like false Cuba? <laughs> Karib, thank you. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just just very very strange. But hey, you know, I mean, it's it's fine. It, it you gotta have your one fun show. You gotta you gotta one for them, one for me, as as old Marty would say. Um, but yeah, no, it's a. Uh, it's pretty pretty remarkable. Um, so, do you want to start at the beginning? I I am I am at a loss in some ways as to where to start. <laughs> uh, before we really get into it, I did want to uh, discuss one thing. Um, uh-huh. We I don't think we ever covered uh, Jigen's voice actor, and I wanted no. to do that because he recently passed away in the last oh. like two or three weeks. Was he the voice actor from from the beginning? From the very beginning, he was wow. like the last remaining one. He actually stepped down from the role in this latest season. Wow. He was like in his late eighties or something. Oh Absolutely God. incredible. That's unbelievable. I it, like that's one of those instances where, and I'll let you talk about it. But like that's one of those instances where I think like you just not make any more of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, please go ahead. So Kiyoshi Kobayashi, who played Jigen um, until he was, uh, according to my notes, I'm assuming I'm right. I wrote this a while back. Uh, 89 years old. Ooh. Uh, so Jigen was created um, by, by Monkey Punch, the original um, manga author, as kind of a James Coburn type, kind of patterning him off of James Coburn in, um, um, uh, oh, what's the, what's the movie? The Magnificent Seven. I could, oh, okay. I, yeah. I could only think of Seven Samurai. I'm like, no, no, no. The, it's, the US it's the one, other US one. one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it turns out Kobayashi was the uh, the dub voice for James Coburn in a lot of his films, including oh. The Magnificent Seven. Interesting. Okay. So like, even in the early like Lupin pilot films, where basically like no other actors end up playing their characters more or less, from the beginning, Kobayashi was there because of the James Coburn connection. Wow. 
that's like that's so cool because like I honestly, if you asked me to name a voice in Lupin, it would be Jigen. But I just thought it was because like it was that kind of, um, as you say, James Coburny kind of voice where like it feels right. Um, I didn't realize it was because it was the same guy the whole time. That's remarkable. Yeah, it really adds a lot to his character because, like, as time goes by in the real world, it kind of shifts Jigen into becoming an old man, more or less. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, you, you get this very weighty kind of, um, I, I don't know, like, uh, you know, once the cast changes over and he's one of the only ones left, you really, like, whenever they do, they're like, you know, I'm getting too old for this kind of shit. Like, it, you feel it. It's the same. You're listening to the same guy you did in 1969 or whatever. Yeah. And like the, the, it, it really speaks to like, I mean, all of their body language is, is great, but like the way that Jigen is always sort of cramped and, and, and stuffed into places the like, despite like being a very thin guy, just like, you know, he can't seem to fit anywhere. <laughs> um, and it just like that, that really, yeah. The, 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 the sort of like progression of age and the, the, insistence of keeping that actor wow that's like a 50-year career it's incredible wow like oh, it's really wow. something to to you know watch the original like season one lupon and see them you know doing you know generic crime thug things stealing you know, bank heist yada yada and then hear that very same actor talk about bitcoin in part season five or whatever <laughs> incredible stuff <laughs> already already like outstripping most of the people i know in their 80s to be able to talk about bitcoin even scripted (laughs) tremendous stuff it's great because you really get the whole like jegan has no idea what the hell is going on like what in god's name's a bitcoin you know but (laughs) it's really great coming from the original guy yeah no wow so like that i wonder maybe someone knows um and I, I i don't want to put you on the spot and say maybe you know uh but i wonder how what the longest career voice acting one character would be it, he has to be close I don't know. If not yeah it. that that would be i would definitely say that would be among the top for sure yeah no exactly um i, I can't imagine anyone doing it longer <laughs> but yeah maybe i yeah that's wow i don't know what else to say other than that is uh what a what a incredible accomplishment. That's he stepped down from the role in the latest uh, season, but there was like a kind of a, a send off episode that there's mm. like episode zero or basically whatever, which was uh, a, a nice little uh, final nice. final voice role for him. There's a great line in it where um they they get all fake sentimental and Lupin's like, Jigen, you're not old. You're a classic. It's really <laughs> cheesy in the greatest kind of way. Oh, that's so good. Did did he quit this season? Did he quit that season because uh, not because he was old, but because uh, that season was boring, as you said? <laughs> if only. <laughs> I mean, they really didn't give Jigen that much to do. So I, I always figured he was like, oh, shit, a whole nother season. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, maybe I swear he was Jigen... already kind of like phasing out a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jigen probably had like, I, I don't know. D- 18 voice lines maybe in that whole fucking show vegan <laughs> was underutilized in that season i feel like like at a certain point my my grandmother like we had to she she quit her job uh or retired uh when when covid hit or like right before COVID. well yeah i guess it was like when we were hearing about covid so it would be like just before the lockdowns and i was like you can't be going into work anymore because she was 88 and she was just like kept working at her 
job job at the diner uh working the books i feel like some 80 year olds just don't recognize like don't realize and at a certain point they're just like whoo yeah i'm done <laughs> do this without me like i gotta i gotta stop so i i respect him for that that's that's cool that he was able to retire before he passed and I, I even even if it was very brief it's really funny too because that that um cg movie the the big one that got kind of famous like when they were doing the press tour for it he was like oh you know i'm I'm really grateful to still be able to voice jegan after all these years you know i'm I'm the last remaining cast member still voice acting one of these characters uh, i want to voice jegan for as long as i can and then immediately next season nope i'm done see ya <laughs> i really respect that honestly that's, that's as long as i could do it <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> Was that before? And I promise, listener, we will we will get to the stuff. But the attention must be paid, as as the great Arthur Miller once said. Um, uh, was was that CG movie any good? I never I never got to, got around to seeing it, but it looked like it might be interesting. And then I didn't hear like anything about it. I liked it. Okay, great. It, it was uh, it was one of the better ones, I'd say. All right. Well, you are, to my mind, the uh, the authority. So. Uh, <laughs> There, there you have it, everyone. Um, are there any other voice actors we didn't talk about in this? Like, I, I can't. They, they all were great. Like, I even, even the bit characters, like, um, uh, the, the, um, why am I forgetting his name? It's not the Duke. It's the, uh, oh, the Count. The Count. Yeah, even the Count is done is done quite well. Like, I felt he was super effective, and yeah, no, I. I oscar and everyone but we've we've talked about everyone so i don't think we ever actually covered um going on or any goddess voice actors oh actually my god um anything so interesting there Goemon's voice actor he uh daisuke namikawa he was voice acting since uh he was a child he wow. most famously he has a child role as like the main little kid in um gundam 0080 war in the pocket oh okay that's so a that, that's, that's a, a serious role, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's not the only role in Gundam he's had either. He's he's come back to it a couple times. He's like a one of the major characters in Gundam Unicorn. Um, let's see, what else has he done? Oh, he was he's he's the kid from Persona Four, the main kid. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, he's um, Rock from Black Lagoon, famous. Oh, okay. Um, he's Soka in the latest Hunter Hunter. Uh, Adam in Near Automata. Oh, okay. Uh, Dubbed Anakin Skywalker, which I can definitely feel like wow. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's cool, though. <laughs> it's, it's cool to be dubbed Anakin Skywalker. Because <laughs> unlike unlike Jake, uh, et cetera, I don't remember his last name. You don't get your life completely ruined. <laughs> wow. And uh, let's see. Zenigata is Koichi Yamadera, who has been voice acting for many, many years. Um, Spike Spiegel. Um, sure. Togusa uh, from Ghost in the Shell, Ryoga and Ranma. Um, he's voiced a bunch of different versions of Batman. Uh, and, and apparently he is the official Japanese voice for Donald Duck. Oh, oh, that's. Hmm. You have to look up that what that sounds like. Because <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> that's everything you were saying there was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, checks out. OK, oh, well, perfect. Batman. Yeah, I never would have thought. Oh, oh, yeah. OK, that's Donald Duck. I've oh. never heard Japanese Donald Duck. I've heard Japanese Goofy, and I've heard Japanese Mickey, but I can't say I've ever heard Donald Duck. I wonder if it's still doing the the, the thing or not. Uh, I, if Zenigata's voice actor is doing the thing, I would be 
so impressed. Because <laughs> Goofy and uh, and Mickey are still generally like doing that kind of voice. It's still it's still the 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 weird yokel voice and 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 the high pitched mouse thing. I mean that so makes if, sense if, for if the duck is still doing the thing. That would be amazing. Because they can't like that's not really something that a lot of people can do. Like you know, famously the the guy who who voices Donald now in English. Um, was an animator before he uh, he he voiced him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah they, they were like, oh, this guy can do a pretty good Donald. Now that the other guy can't do it anymore, I forget if because he retired or passed away. Uh, but yeah, I don't think a lot of people can do that. So, um, if so, uh, again, what a talent! <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, surely they can find some someone's uncle who has a good Donald Duck. I feel like that's every other person's <laughs> uncle, right? It can't be that hard. Yeah, no, you're right. That is an uncle thing. That's a uh, let's round up all the uncles. Let's. let's I mean, get... firsthand experience. My uncle would do that voice all the time. Oh, okay. None of my uncles did, so I, I wasn't thinking about it. But it's absolutely an uncle thing because my uncles also <laughs> did voices, so or did doodles, or yeah, it's a absolutely an uncle thing. Um, uncle trait for sure. <laughs> it's uncle traits. Uh, did um. Oh, if anyone hasn't, and Emily, if you haven't, you, uh, go ahead and look up uh, on the topic of Donald Duck. Go ahead and look up uh, Leonard Malton. There's a video of Leonard Malton talking to the uh, the guy who voices Donald Duck. Oh. Um, someone, Anse- his last name's Anselmo. It's not Phil Anselmo. Is um, it Tony, I think? Yeah, Tony Anselmo. Um, do not confuse him with the vocalist from Pantera who does not voice Donald Duck. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, the the joy on Leonard Malton's face when the when he starts doing Donald Duck is just like if you ever wanted to see someone just erupt in pure joy, um, this is the video for you. It's on YouTube. It's uh, if I can remember, I'll put it in the show notes. But it's it's uh, <laughs> it's worth your time. Um, I definitely will watch that. That sounds it's, great. It's, it's adorable. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, maybe let's, I think that uh, covers everyone. Yeah, yeah let's let's jump right in. So we we start off in Medias Res, uh in, in, in episode ten. Um Ghost and even Lupin's like, this is a terrible way to tell a story. Um it's not, but he he's being being demure. <laughs> and uh Lupin is on a metal table in the middle of some weird looking place where he asks, you know, God, were they this where were they doing uh they doing um medical experiments here uh and it's unclear if they were doing medical experiments there but we we will we will find out more as he he goes outside and meets someone who tells him he's not supposed to be there i mean there sure is some blood on the floor and stuff oh yeah it is quite ominous it's not good where he is um this episode is really difficult for me to put into chronological sense and it it was one of I, i think for me it was where i was both most intrigued by the direction this was all going and also most worried about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one gets a little iffy, I feel like. It gets real hairy. Uh, and I think, like, part of it getting really hairy is um, <laughs> is that uh, it just, it it's like, okay, we have to get, the, we, we've touched on the owl thing here and there. Let's just really, really get into it. We got to introduce you to everyone. This is the info dump episode. Yeah, this this is where they start uh, capital W writing the show, <laughs> <Yeah>. and uh, <laughs> in a in a sense, the way you're kind of like, oh, if this turns out bad, this is gonna suck. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess this could be interesting or whatever. Like, maybe. Um, but it, 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 like, the uninteresting element of it is really like the concern that okay, they're not gonna, they're not gonna close the loop on this, and it doesn't feel like they're gonna close the loop initially because it is. Lupin's in a lab. He goes out. There's an old man saying he shouldn't be there, and then Zenigata's there, and he's looking for Lupin. Um, and he says it's because like it goes back to the, the 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 first episode with the cult, and then Lupin's getting job offers from the owls, and it, 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 there's so much stuff happening. But I think part of the the genius of this episode, because like I, I you know, cards on the table. I think this was a really like one of my favorite endings in media was the end last was the way they wrapped this all up. Like they just absolutely, you know, no notes, just perfectly done. Um, and one of the things that I think is so perfect about it is, um, well, perfectly done is probably not fair. There's probably something in there that we can talk about, <laughs> but it wonderfully done. Um, the, one of the reasons it's so good is because it starts off with this bit of, um, of, you know, Lupin um, being in uh, the middle of things and then having to kind of like do exposition to explain why he's in the middle of things. But it does it in a nonlinear way. So you're not just sitting there being like, OK, so we're in episode one. That's what happened there. Here's what happened in episode two. Here's what happened in episode three. Um, it's like much more. You, you really have to put the pieces together by yourself. And the fact that they add up makes it feel uh, good. Yeah, the the writing is, um, you know, once it, it, it decides to start trying to tie everything together in ways and starts to like go some in hard in the in the overarching uh story ideas and stuff and that's like i don't know about this but the direction in itself um is really good it yeah really manages to nail the um the double dream like feeling basically totally yeah no no that's a, that's a really good point i think like with work with the uh, with direction that was any less like marvelous or or masterful with this like you you would the writing really would kind of stand out as being a little wooden um because it is like you get a lot of like oh do you remember like that's what was going on in episode one like i'm Inspector, dr you- fritz kaiser this <laughs> is Eulenspiegel. this was the pharmaceutical labs <laughs> very just like i have to say if i talked to <laughs> yeah <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, it's just like okay you got to accept that this guy calls his daughter his doctor um, just, just to keep going with it. Uh, yeah, like it, it is, it is the, I think like it reminds me in a way of what everyone loves about movies like Memento where like, you know, you get, um, it's essentially a pretty straightforward kind of tale or mystery, but because it's played out of order, you get the joy of kind of like putting it together in your own mind. Truly, um, the Donnie Darko of Lupin. I agree. Yeah, and and in the end, uh, Zedigata, uh plane falls on him. It's That's really, true. And it, it's Che's plane. It finally comes down out of the air. <laughs> we lied to you in the beginning. It yeah. doesn't come up again. It, it is actually the most important part. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it, it it's neat. Like it's a it's an interesting episode. I think like this doesn't take away from it, but it is also the most sort of like disappointing episode as far as the ending goes, because nothing gets resolved. Like you get Lupin back in bed and it very well could just be like "Ah, a dream and a dream sort of episode. Um, Yeah. Even Lupin is just like, what the fuck just happened right at the end of it? (laughs) 
they they definitely know that they're kind of like pushing it because of all the apologies Lupin makes for the storytelling, which <laughs> yeah. I find very charming. To be like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, yeah, no, no one's super happy about this, but it's, it's how it has to go. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I think the um, like going back to the direction a little bit, part of what helps it go down is like they they return to some of the motifs that they've been kind of setting up, like the the like weird shattering butterfly that we've been seeing in so many episodes that really yeah. comes into play here because we've got like people turning into like just giant cords of exploding shattering butterflies. And uh, just every time like it flies across the screen, you can just tell like, here's where things get extra weird now. <laughs> so it's, it's some nice little bit of visual storytelling that they, yeah, they've I, already set up. So it's, it's nice. It's easy to accept. I appreciate like, I think there's a, there's a balance in, in like writing stuff like this where you have to, you know, you have to uh, like admit that you can't explain everything. Like you, you can't be like, okay, so I need to find a real world, real world explanation for like why the count you Almeida has all this power or whatever. Like you don't need to worry about that. Like it, it's okay. People, people will forgive a lot and you don't need to explain it. They'd rather you not, but like you also at some point need to explain some things and like the basis behind them. And I feel like the, the way that this episode is like, willing to explain okay here's why everyone keeps seeing all this stuff all around it's because this entire place is filled with that drug we talked about in episode one or like here's why you know like the the owl thing is such a big deal because like this impacts the features in such a a a weird way and the owl of Minerva and stuff like that like it is it's giving you enough of like okay here's an explanation for all the weird stuff you've been seeing in this show that you know it feels rewarding in that sense where you're just like, oh, okay, so that's why, you know, the doctor disappeared like that. It's not like we're not introducing ghosts into the world of Lupin. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's certainly stretching it a bit, you know, oh, the, drugs, yeah. <laughs> the drugs have the ghost did kind of exist within them or something, the remnants. But I mean, it's, they can also stab it's literally you. fine. Like, yeah, <laughs> but, but again, you die like, in the dream, you die in real life. Yeah. <laughs> But again, like that's I mean, that's the thing right? where it's like where it's like, um, you know, you you end up you end up kind of feeling OK about that weirdness because they they were able to give you a different kind of weird like explanation to a different kind of weirdness. Where it's right. like, Hey, look, like we can't explain everything. There's going to be some strange stuff that's left over. But um, here's the answer to one of your questions. And they do anchor in some some nice, uh, you know, reality stuff like, uh, you know, Lupin in his apartment uh, just casually taking a piss while the owl man just watches him go to the bathroom and he's got the gun in the back of the toilet lid. <laughs> Very good. But in classic Lupin form, he doesn't uh, just have the gun. He uh, he leaves a tape recorder for <laughs> <laughs> for no good reason very very good very good lupon touch to be like no no you, you've all seen guys have a gun inside the toilet tank what if uh, <laughs> i also tricked this guy he does have he does have the great line of um uh the, the great sort of foreshadowing line of that's why i don't like owls because they can see in the dark yeah uh, that's pretty good the owls know everything that's happening um yeah no that was cool uh yeah, honestly, more more with Lupin in his crummy apartment. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lupin, one of the richest people ever, ostensibly, just like they always give him squalor. some shitty little uh, 
safe house or some <laughs> shitty little apartment. It's I always sucks. love when they do yeah, it. Yeah, it's perfect. They, like, yeah, Rich Lupin would be a, a ripoff. <laughs> no one wants to see that. Um, I remember in one of the one of the like eighties uh, OVAs or some shit where he's just got a shitty like Manhattan apartment or something, and you know it's fucking Lupin the Third, but he's still just sitting there in his little striped boxers and his shitty fucking tank top, just watching TV, <laughs> scratching his ass. Like, yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly what I would expect from this man. Yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would you expect otherwise? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, God, uh, it's so perfect. It's such such good character consistency. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like I'm leaving a lot out here, but I I can't think of like what exactly it would be. the 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 main thing to the main thing to to take away if you're if you're just please don't do this. But if you're just listening to us and not watching the show, <laughs> um, please stop this and go watch the show. It's 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 like it. I hate to downplay what we're doing here because I do like it a lot, but it's better than the podcast. I would say it's a lot, a lot went into it. Um, maybe, but just by a little, uh, but the, um, you know, if you're just doing that, um, the thing to take away from this is that the, the count you Almeida is a Fujiko's sort of ostensibly Fujiko's kind of father figure, um, Lupin is examining it to try and figure out what the hell is going on with Fujiko and, um, Zenigata and Oscar are there to try and understand, uh, why Lupin is so interested in Fujiko. Um, and the count and, owns a, a like pharmaceutical company and, uh, like the, the main like branch of that Glaucus. A, yeah. Glaucus. And the main branch of that was in a place called Eulenspiegel, which, uh, you know, Owl Shadow. <laughs> There's lots of towns named Owl Shadow. It's a very normal thing. <laughs> we've all we've all been to towns with extremely like eerie names. That <laughs> um, yeah, no Owl Shadow. Um, I like I like that in this episode they tell you what uh, uh, Fraulein Eula means. In case you had missed it by this point, <laughs> right? That in case you don't too. speak German or cannot pick up on fairly easy things, honestly. I'm just like I'm. I, Fraulein Eula. Well, I, I see it in the I see it in the the subtitle, but I won't be looking that up. No thanks. Like well, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, no, it's it's. Um, I mean, basically, yeah. The every, everything is owl like, um, but we also get this this uh, this moment of like, okay, like this count we've been talking about. He's, his main thing is he's not like much, much like the Count of Cagliostro. He's not like a political fake. He's not like, you know, always important because he's like big in politics. He's important because he's like a, uh, a rich guy um, and has like a thing going on on the side. Like most people in Lupin who are important. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess there's also, it also introduces the strange concept and, and in fairness, strange to Lupin as well concept of stealing fujiko mine and uh what it means to like steal her um yeah. which is a job he's given as well uh kind of a kind of a cool complicated problem that we have to work through in these last four episodes that's about it i mean episode 10 is great but it's it really is kind of i would say the the least essential of the four yeah um i mean it sets up a lot of stuff like you get I mean, there's there's the stuff with Doctor Fritz Kaiser, who is one of the <laughs> What's your research name? guys. Doctor Fritz Kaiser. 
the, the most evil sounding. It's always a Kaiser in these things, isn't it? <laughs> he's not, you know, he's, he's all right. Like he, he's, uh, he's very, uh, he's evil in the, in the sense of, um, he is not a good dad in any way and, uh, and probably an evil scientist, but he's not as evil as the count. What I really love about uh, Dr. Fritz Kaiser is um, the, the, the very, very, very forced thing of before he even starts explaining about his daughter, he's like, oh, by the way, my wife is Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Man, many Japanese people were, were coming. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know why. I'm better to get to you. I, it's, it's amazing that Lupin is still like insistent on like it, it, what everyone in, in, you know, who has ever seen the show would be like, yeah, it's a Japanese show. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I, yeah, well, here's what, here's the reason everyone is, is who they are. Like Fujiko's Japanese, but uh, Zenigata is French or, or not. Like it's, it's a very <laughs> funny thing to try and like, to try and uh, stick the landing on consistently. Um, like Daisuke Jigen is a very like it's not quite a name, but it is Japanese. But he's also like character has been characterized for years as the American. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and, like you're supposed to tell me that that Lupod is the only person who seems like remarkably Japanese in this is um, is going on. Like there's everyone else you could tell me is French, and I would believe you instantly. <laughs> Especially when you get Fujiko and doing doing uh, uh, the sound of music or whatever in the in the Goemon. Oh episode. yeah, or like at the end of the at the end of the episode thirteen when she's doing like the Adrian Barbeau like pin up stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, come on, <laughs> you just came out of a, a French impressionism movie. Like that's 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 what you did. It's um, great. It rules. Um, but yeah, no, they, he does he does drop that <laughs> in fairness. Lupin then immediately knows his daughter is Fujiko. Yes. You have to save my doctor. And he goes, Fujiko Mine? Yeah. That's the one. How'd you know? (laughs) Um, So, like, the the, the company um, that that Dr. Fritz Kaiser was contracted by Count Louis, uh, UL Meta, to work for, was supposed to produce a drug that induces fear, which is... um, what ended up being the, um, the the dizzy cult drug from the first episode. Yeah, but can what you, it actually does. Go ahead. Oh, can you tell me, like, oh, actually, no, you finish, because you might answer my, my question here. Uh, so what it actually does, uh, according to Dr. Fritz Kaiser, is uh, it, it induces, like, various states of, like, euphoria and aggression and fear and causes you to see people as owls in very poisonous dosages. <laughs> Which is like part of the reason why I'm like, I don't know about this when the (laughs) writing starts, because it starts tying things together too cleanly. I don't need to know why a for real reason why there are guys with owl heads. Yeah, just think it's cool. Don't say it's because of a drug. (laughs) Fuck off. I liked it better when they were just wearing them. When you find out that they're wearing them, that that made more sense to me. It's like, oh, sure. Yeah, that that makes sense. That's like that's kind of what you do if you were a. if you were a, a crazy guy who loved owls a lot, you'd wear an owl head, of course. Um, and yeah. to add to the even more like, oh, fuck off kind of thing <laughs> is um, if they really get like fucked up by this shit, they, they become uh, like kind of crippled, like kind of an invalid kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And they're only able to mutter Fräulein Eule, which is, <laughs> of course, <laughs> the Some name took- of the cult and the drug. <laughs> Some guy took way too much and now can only say Fräulein Euler. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, we'll have to make sure none of us are taking 
so much of it. Um, that would be bad if they were exposed to a lot of that drug. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if two of the characters in the series were exposed. Well, we'll never find out. But uh, ah, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, no, th- th- there are some like, I feel like if they get, as much as I have nothing but praise for their their managing of Hegel, which like sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but I feel like when, <laughs> when everyone is just like, super excited about xenogears and, and me too um <laughs> me, me too but i feel like xenogears does not stick the landing on all of its philosophy <laughs> uh which which might be a controversial statement or like everyone's just like here are the seven books you hear the seven books by like you know carl schmidt you have to read to understand evangelion um i feel like i just watched uh the second season of of um the the CGI uh, Ghost in the Shell uh-huh. new series the the second standalone complex or whatever and um it it goes hard in the paint on 1984 <laughs> yeah so I'm yeah. like oh man I'm I'm I should have to go back and put this on my reading list this year 1984 <laughs> book that way the Ghost in the Shell can make more sense to me it's so funny um oh, I, one of my great. one of my friends uh, Paul had a had a tweet where he was like um it was like Netflix had anime for beginners and it was Hunter Hunter and he was like beginners. Yeah. Maybe beginning a doctorate. And it was like a bunch of like <laughs> some, some person, not him had put together like a list of books you needed to read before you could understand Hunter Hunter. And yeah, like, I think I've seen that. I actually so I've seen funny. that image. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I feel like if that's, if that's the discourse we're starting from as a, as, as a community, then um, uh, it should be noted that they really do land Hegel quite well. I think they go a little too hard on the owl imagery. Uh, they, they they get a little too excited about that. <laughs> just a tad, maybe. Yeah. They were a little too proud of it. Just like, oh, it's, you know how much this stuff represents? It represents medicine and the, and the, and the past and also music. And I could hear music. It's like, okay, all right. Like, it's a great image. You did a really good job. There's that point where even um, when, when Zenigata is getting the tour of the facility, is like, oh, owls, Minerva, met. Okay, yeah, you're proud of that one, huh? That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, no, I, I I I appreciated this episode. I also felt bad for Oscar in this episode for the um, not, I guess, for the last time. Although uh, Oscar's Joker turn is the next episode. Yeah, in this one you get a lot of good um Oscar being like way too aggressive on on the case. Like Zenigata is trying to play it cool like we're here to talk to your your boss and then the whole time Oscar's like your boss did crimes and we want to arrest him for the crimes. Zenigata's <laughs> like calm calm down. Calm calm down. Zenigata hits him with the like the utterly brutal like this is my case like feel free to come with me if you want but like that's your call. Like I just like Go away if you want to go away. Like, <laughs> completely useless person. I will turn this car around. You do not behave. <laughs> I don't work for you, he says. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Suppose you don't. Um, yeah, it's a it's 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 a hard. It's a hard thing for poor Oscar, um, but uh, only poor Oscar for for a short period of time before he uh, kind of takes it too far. So anything else in episode 10? I think we we've covered it. Uh do you want to get do you want to get into uh Lupin the Third presents the Joker? <laughs> um I guess there is that part where um oh, yeah, 
uh, Lupin and Zenigata, uh, they have the little team up there. They have to. Oh yeah, do, that's in this out. episode. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so much that happens in this episode. Yeah, this is this is kind of a deep one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He. Yeah. They. They. They team up, and um. That's when they. That's when they're being shot at by the illusions. Yeah, and, they, uh, they, 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 they're, they're in the pharmaceutical, uh, like the, the abandoned pharmaceutical lab that got exploded or some shit. Yeah. And, um, which, which is technically ha- is what killed Dr. Kaiser. So he's kind of like a, a weird drug induced ghost illusion thing. And, um, they're, they're getting shot at by like, I guess, ghost illusions of, of former workers there. And um, the, the 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 pain is real. Like Lupin gets stabbed at one point, and he is bleeding. And um, oh yeah, the the doctor stabs him. Like he yeah. finds a doctor in a room, but and, it's the fake you know, doctor. It's Owl Doctor. <laughs> yeah, so he stabs Lupin, and Lupin shoots him, and then he explodes into flowers. Yeah, it feels kind of unfair that Lupin still got stabbed through the hand, but um. <laughs> But it is and then the pe- immediately he finds like a, a different version of the doctor who leads him outside, yeah. which is great. Like just like goes out the door immediately. Ah, doctor, you're here. Very that good. is. Yeah, that's when the, that's when the episode is like, it's like, yeah, this is only a 22 minute episode. We can't do this organically. Like there has to be some things that don't quite work and finding the doctor there like, oh, please, we have to go. <laughs> like That's convenient. Um, the uh, yeah, I think like the. um the 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 line I liked I liked the payoff there because of the line where uh, they're getting shot at and Zenigata says like or Lupin says they're illusions Zenigata says what everyone in the audience is thinking which is like well then if we got shot it wouldn't matter right <laughs> Lupin goes you can try it out if you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is re- I forgot about that that's really that's a great line yeah. <laughs> Um, very very in character too Just, and, yeah you could try yeah <laughs> feel free <laughs> there's a lot of funny little lupon lines that are in character like uh at one point um in in a later episode fujiko asks lupon if he ditched jigen and he goes pretty much <laughs> <laughs> pretty good you don't get a whole lot of like lupon like as a character in this like i the most you probably get him is the um is is the tattooed woman episode i would say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the the bits you do get of him are pretty pretty spot on pitch perfect what you would want yeah absolutely i think like he's a he plays a really like and this is something about lupin that i've always kind of felt when i watch the movies um and i don't i don't feel strongly because i like lupin as a, as a main character but there is some way in which lupin does almost play a better second banana or second. Yeah, fiddle. I was thinking that too. He's like an absurdly good supporting character whenever he's in that role. He really is. Like it, it's sort of in the way that like you, when you read something like uh, not so much Sherlock Holmes because Sherlock Holmes is so, you know, fraught with being Sherlock Holmes. But like, I don't know, something like Father Brown or like any of the old mysteries, like the old sort of. Um, uh, standard mysteries uh, agatha christie's or, or whatever like anything that it's a series eventually you're like yeah um i kind of like i'm kind of interested in all the things going on around the detective who i like or whatever yeah um yeah. lupon sort of serves that same fun- function he's he's really good at, at, at moving like the b plot along absolutely yeah very, very uh useful skill because sometimes those tend to drag especially in no shows. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. Like it's, um, I, I, I was very appreciative of Lupin in this series. He, he, you know, some, it's easy to forget that he is such a, such a, a, a crucial character, but, uh, I don't know in this, in this instance, absolutely. Um, just 
MVP in some ways. Uh, let's see what what else about this. Oh, the um, where he gets like trapped in the in the mine palace. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Fujiko's strange like child. Fujiko has to lead him out, but it's a her game. little birthday party. Yeah, I like the ja- is that I don't know if that's a real birthday song, but if it is in fact the birthday song that people sing in Japan, I like it. I like that. <laughs> The birthday person gets to have a small role where they ask what day is today for them. Um, and everyone t- tells you how special you are. It's pretty cool. Like, it's, it's a real esteem booster of a birthday song. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard it before. So I, I, I would be interested to know whether or not it was created for the show. It would kind of make I, sense. I always found it fairly unsettling. So uh, it, it's cool in that regard. Yeah, no, no I, I, I think the birthday song should be a little more unsettling, I guess. Because <laughs> um, as, as Dr. Fritz Kaiser says, a birthday and a funeral are no different, um, <laughs> which, which is a, 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 a truly insane thing to say. <laughs> but Yeah, I like there's like the, that very weird, like 10 second flashback of him like <laughs> working. And he's like, oh, yeah, I sacrificed my daughter to Count Louis, you Almeida, whatever. And it's like, oh, it's my uh, oh, sir, it's your birthday. Oh, uh, I, I remember the last time we celebrated a birthday. It was, oh, it was your daughter's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever, dude. Don't feel bad about it. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird. Like, it happened. It's just, it's right before that. Then it's like, there's the crisis. And he goes, he goes, oh, yeah. So that was the crisis that destroyed this town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, something <laughs> happened. And uh, that's why this town is ruins. Anyway, I, I love your yeah, mind palace. <laughs> I loved, I loved that conversation because like the, the observation initially makes sense where he's like, yeah, like they're all just, they're all just days. Like they don't, they don't matter. Like it's just, it's a, it's a series of like, um, you know, series of, of, of things that don't count. Um, they're just, they're just only important to the person experiencing them or whatever. Like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's frippery. And you're like, yeah, I guess like fine. That's like a boring cynical scientist doctor, yeah, sure. man. That view makes sense for you as a shorthand. I but, get it. But then he adds, it's just that they're the same because no one can go to their funeral. And I'm like, but you could go to your birthday. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one's stopping you from doing that. Like you're, <laughs> It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um I uh I'm very for it. Um uh even though it like it was a little awkward, I'd like to see more Fritz Kaiser's uh horrible um, horrible ways of trying to deal with the fact that he sacrificed his daughter to a scientific uh, cult. Well, maybe not a cult. It's kind of even Although so so do you get the feeling that the torture of the the various girls was is it intended to be sexualized? It's very cagey about this, but I I, but I think it is. There there is a line I it might be in like the last episode or maybe like the the, the semi final episode or whatever um, where they they say something like it's 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 for Count Louis U Almeida to make his perfect holy maiden. Yeah. And that just drips with just the worst kind of vibes possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's like, there's at one point where like, it's either Fujiko says it or, or someone else says it where it's like the perversions of the count. Now it's like, yeah, like that could be like the scientific, like he wants to be God perversions or another thing. It, it feels very sexualized in a, in a yeah, awful way. Yeah, it's 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 a little cagey about it, but I think it 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 ultimately it wants you to fill in the blanks. Going, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. That's uh, the vibe I got from it anyway. Same here. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure because it's, it's doing the thing where it's like we don't want to say it out loud, but whether or not for um, concerns about, I don't know, whatever, for whatever reason, either because they wanted us to interpret it or because they were concerned about something else. But um, yeah, I, I wonder what the uh, what like the restrictions are on this 3 a.m. anime where we can have giant naked tits bouncing everywhere. <laughs> like is talking about sexual child enslavement too far for that program? I don't what? know. <laughs> you, you would think not. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like um, I think the the. The bit where, um, I don't know, like the bit where he's just like, you know, I just I love science so much. Um, and I thought this was really going to stop the Cold War. So I gave him my daughter. But I guess that wasn't a good idea. It's like, man, that's like that's a really unconvincing, <laughs> it's <like> super unconvincing. <laughs> and then um, later when, when they actually like bring his wife into it, um, she at one point says like, oh, my husband never noticed the uh, the ill intentions of the count. He yeah. Was, he was just blind to that. I'm like, can you really be that dense, though? Can a human being be that dense? <laughs> no, <it's>, I, I, <laughs> I, I think I think so. Like it, it is one of those things where at the end of the the series, it's it's presented as he didn't notice. But I feel like when Lupin's talking to the ghost, and you know whether or not that's you know representative or not, when Lupin's talking to the ghost, it's like, oh yeah, okay, like he is like willfully ignoring it. Like he's trying to like imagine it's not happening because he wants to help, you know, the company or whatever. Right. Yeah. Man, this is a big episode. I forgot how much happened in this. I kept thinking it happened in the other episodes, which are in retrospect, much more action packed. Yeah. Remember, um, in the last session when I said like in my brain, these last four episodes are basically one episode. That's, that's kind of what I mean. I mean, they are. Yeah, it's like I feel like the next episode is the only one that stands out as its own thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a little bit more singular, but only a little bit because it's still the owls and explaining the owls and then doing all that. It feels like a movie in a lot of ways. Um, oh, right. The uh, the mind palace that. that oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Fujiko girl. Um Lupin has to like catch her using something tangible in the real world or something like to use pain. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Uh, but I mean, he makes it work. Yeah, because he's he's chasing her and she's I mean, this is like a weird fucked up dream world. So she's like disappearing and, and teleporting and warping all over the place. And uh, he, he just he's like, all right, fine. I give up. And she's like, really? And and she comes up to him and she just bites him for no good reason because she's a weird feral child, I guess. And yeah, he uses that to just catch her and be like, gotcha, I win. <laughs> Very Lupin. Yeah, no, it is. It's like, it's definitely like giving up is the only way to win. I absolutely loved it. Um, it also really just like Lupin stooping to a child's level to like really do one of those supremely childish ways to win a game like my power is to have all the powers kind of bullshit very <laughs> right. very in character for lupon yeah and like i i liked that because there was like it was like oh an evil child has trapped lupon and it's like maybe it's a demon and like people don't escape the realm and he was just like no it's just a game like and i i can yeah, yeah. i'm an adult <laughs> yeah i forgot like oh you know she, she warns him that like oh you might be trapped here for all eternity like many other people <laughs> and i and i guess it's um supposed to be the 
the like going insane part of inhaling too much of the uh, Freulein Oile drug or whatever. Like at this point, this is where most people would just become uh, an invalid and mutter uh, Freulein Oile over and over again. But Lupin succeeds. He escapes the Mind Palace. Yeah, because Lupin cannot be <clears throat> enslaved by any sort of uh, mental prison. He's simply he's simply too uh, himbofied. He's too powerful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, the, the first Lupin theatrical movie, Mystery of Mamo, where he's also supposed to be trapped in some sort of, uh, I forget the specifics, but some sort of horrible dream machine. And like the villain is, is uh, absolutely like flabbergasted because like, I, I can't, I can't read his dream. He, he's, he's too simple. He dreams of nothing. He's a boring man. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Like it's so good. <laughs> it's it, like it goes along with the with the whole thing of like Lupin doesn't care about the treasure. He just likes stealing. Uh, <laughs> like this is just it's it's just wonderful, simple uh, actions. And then what's the next action? Like, what can I do next? And <laughs> what's the next gig? Yeah, nothing. Nothing matters. Action. It's it's all just fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fantastic. So the little Fujiko girl, she she morphs into an owl and then just like plunges straight into Lupin's chest, which wakes him up in his apartment again. Right. Uh, That's how it ends. Right. He's in his apartment again or no, no, not. No. Yet. Right. He That's, wakes up a third up. time after that. Yeah. There's a this lot of waking he, up in this episode. And it's all framed. Like It's all the exact same like shot. Like, right. Uh, the he, he wakes up in, you know, the cameras the certain way he reacts a certain way. Every time he wakes up, he says Fujiko's name as if like in, in the way that I say, uh, like I yell when I wake up and I realize I've slept too long. He just says Fujiko Mine. Uh. <laughs> um, but he wakes up. Um, I I forget where exactly he's at, but but he's near um, Dr. Kaiser. Uh, and Dr. Kaiser, this is where he admits like, oh, by the way, uh, me, I'm dead. Dr. Kaiser, that's me. Uh, I've been dead for a very long time. <laughs> it's, it's a normal thing to have someone admit to you. Very, very reasonable. <laughs> he, he kind of explains the, uh, the, 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 the drug remnant ghost stuff and he takes off his gas mask uh, and then he has an owl man face. I know. And, uh, it's not good. And, he says, the moment you grasp the butterfly, it takes flight and everything perishes. And then he uh, pulls the trigger and kills himself. <laughs> so rough. Like, I, it, it's also it also goes back to a line at the beginning of the episode where um, they're talking about the Owl of Minerva and uh, and Lupin says, you quoting Hegel at me, um, which is a great moment. And uh, <laughs> and um, the the owl who we spoiler so I can talk about this owl we later learn is uh, the mother of uh, quote unquote Fujiko um, says like you know are you like what happens when you grasp the boy what happens when the the butterfly flies away Lupin um, it's like it's a good it's a good like when the butterfly flies away everything perishes as opposed to you know when the owl flies it's just the end you're you're observing the ruins and again tying tying into the, the butterfly imagery which has been ever present throughout the entire show mm -hmm. absolutely way to bring that back in uh you see zinigata and uh oscar uh they 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 make it out of the, the glaucus pharmaceutical ruins um 
Zenigata uh, has learned basically all the same things Lupin has and uh, goes over the details of the superior of his. And that's when Lupin wakes up for the third time. Right. <laughs> yes, because I, I forgot that was after we find out that Zenigata was okay. Um, which <laughs> I say I say that as if I was surprised he wasn't shot to death. <laughs> like this is when they they kill off Zenigata for good. I mean, uh, so much happens. You forget Zenigata and Oscar are even part of this episode. And that's one of the things about this episode where, like, as the beginning of this arc, you start to worry. Like, I didn't I didn't even really think about it. Like, talking about this episode, we spent an hour in this episode. We won't we won't spend an hour on every episode because the rest of them are fairly like they're straightforward in a way that this one is just not. Yeah. And like that, that was what was scary where it was like. Okay, is this really a two-hander? Like, do we have enough in here for Zenigata and Oscar as well? <laughs> and, like, they have to be there for a number of reasons. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it it, it was a little bit like, ooh, I don't know. Like, I didn't realize how much they did in this episode so that you could get, like, you know, um, other stuff later on. Yeah, it, it uh, it's almost entirely set up. If if not just for Lupin, then just for the audience. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, if Lupin woke up, then anything else? I mean, so uh, at, at the he, end of the episode, it's very clear that um that our, our, our friend Oscar is not uh not in the best graces of his uh his uh father slash beloved slash boss. Uh, yeah. Oscar's uh Oscar's been been going through some rough times. He's bungled a couple of cases. He's he's gotten, you know, on Zenigata's bad side. Nothing nothing's been going right. Not that a lot of people get on Zenigata's good side in fairness. <laughs> um but yeah, it's 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 at the end of this episode they're just they're they're driving back and not talking to each other. Like it it is like as far as that relationship goes, it is as as low a point as um, we, we, we've seen. And episode 11 is where it comes to a head. Yeah. So in this episode, um, Fujiko Mine is pulling off Lupin jobs, apparently. Uh, just like uh, sending the calling card, stealing just fancy shit that doesn't matter it's yeah this is not this is like absolutely not what she usually does right like uh but apparently all the all the bosses believe it zanagata is now on fujiko mine duty he's off lupon patrol um he's super he is, he upset is to arrest her before he can even think about resuming the lupon case and oscar ever um ever a loyal soldier says i will I'll 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 arrest Fujikomine. I stake my very life on it. This this is his chance. This is his big chance. It is himself in the eyes of Zenigata. Unfortunately, um, well, not unfortunately yet. He's 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 manufactured a chance for himself. Um, and you so could say that. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> maybe 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 in more way than one. Um, but you know, we start out with with um, Fujiko is going to steal this uh, tiara. Um, which uh, hearing the word TR is a real MK Ultra moment for her much later on. As we find out, Fujiko Mine is nowhere close to these things. She is in a cabin uh, being um, nursed back to health by Goemon, who, uh, when, when Fujiko wakes up and yells at him, do you want to sleep with me? Then get it over with. 
he simply tells her to put some clothes on and become warm again. Um, just absolute like chased boyfriend. Uh, Goemon is 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 I, in I effect. Yeah, he's he is nothing if not himself. She is in nothing but a lacy bra and panties. The bra is like the straps are falling off of her shoulders. Like it is, no, nope. it is as sexy as it could be. And he's still like, oh, no one in that position uh, has ever uh, been like, yeah, just like put some clothes on. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I refuse to believe it. But um, uh, we find out that she is not doing this uh, fa- fairly quickly. Um, and it's clear like Zenigata is basically like, this isn't Fuchiko. Like Fuchiko doesn't do this. Um, but Oscar says, well, of course it is. You know, she has um, she signed all her stuff. She, she did all these things. She's going to steal this tiara. I'm going to stop her from stealing the tiara. Um, and so he sets up a um, he sets up a whole like I don't know like a cordon basically of police at this museum. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, it's like you know <laughs> forget the numbers, but it's like 150 police at the front, 100 at the back, and 50 in the in the actual room. Like, there's no way we can we can stop. She would be able to get in. Um, but in in true like Lupin fashion, uh, the uh, the fire extinguishers, uh, the fire suppressants spit out tear gas. The cops are ready. They they have fans. They put on gas masks. But when they go and look, um, Senegata says, "Ah, you know, check have have the have the crime text check check this uh, this crown. I don't think it is uh, the real thing. I think we've been had." The old switcheroo. Yeah, the and he Lupin knew right famous. away. <laughs> um. There's a yeah, it, I famously I, I was watching this with my kids. Famously, uh this was this the same thing was quoted essentially uh in in uh, Despicable Me 3. Um <laughs> <laughs> where uh, where one of the characters uh says he will steal a uh uh a diamond uh or he claims the diamond is a fake but he's in disguise. So very similar, I think a a clear reference to a woman called Fujiko Mine. Undoubtedly. Uh, undoubtedly, yeah, we we all know the the inspiration taken there, um, but yeah, it's um, it's a moment where everyone is kind of flummoxed. Uh, how how was it even possible? Um, and Senegati even lays it out. He's like, okay, listen, like, has it on his chalkboard? He says, there's like, got the note. Uh, had that cordon up for about a week. We checked the cordon two days ago. Um. Just, there's just no chance. There's no way that this was possible unless he says unless it was a dirty cop. And uh, and then he he removes himself from the case. Uninterested. Nope. This ain't Fujiko. I'm on Fujiko duty. Get out of here. Not my scene. Right. Exactly. Um, although also in true fashion in this in this particular series of Lupin, Zenigata is a pretty good detective. Like he's pretty competent. Um, unlike in other episodes, of <laughs> um, he's pretty confident and I get the feeling that he has figured out generally what might be going on. Um, uh, and Lupin has too. Yeah, but, uh, right. So at what's Lupin safe there? house? He's, he's reading the paper, which is talking about the, the tiara incident and saying, you know, uh, it might be the perfect crime. And Lupin's like, eh, I don't know. I don't think it's Fujiko. It's, it's too flashy. It, it's she she's been leaving like hair and fingerprints is perfect kind of police evidence definitely a dirty cop thing right 
Yeah, it's like it 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 immediately everyone's like, yeah, this is, doesn't make sense. Goemon knows it's not her too, uh, but that's because, because he's she's... literally been physically in the same place as her for the last like week or two. <laughs> it's like well, that doesn't seem right. Because in between her like having little emotional outbursts at him, she is just in her like in in the in the uh, upstairs part of that little safe house, just crying, just sobbing. We've all been there. Uh, we've all, we've all, we've all been in, in a very small house, uh, trying to help, uh, a woman going through it. Um, and, and if you, you haven't been there, um, well, Make better soup than Goemon. <laughs> I thought Goemon's oatmeal looked great. <laughs> I felt so bad for Goemon that like it was his fish stock that he used in the oatmeal. Is that a very good thing to use in oatmeal? Probably not. But... <laughs> But he gave it a real shot. I thought that was cool. He gave it the old college try. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he it wasn't it wasn't super successful. Uh, it's it, it's pitched over his head, um, and she says, "This is trash." Uh, absolutely not what you want to hear when you serve someone uh, food when they're sick. But you know it's how it goes. And in between that, he he's listening to the radio and such, also reporting on the on the Tiara crime. And he's you know, comes to the conclusion, well, that's obviously not her. Right. And yeah. I don't know how to help her. So I'm going to go travel to learn about her. Surely something has to happen to where I can know about Fujiko. I love I love the Goemon logic here where he, he says, like, his whole point is like, I'll just go. I'll go learn about Fujiko because if I don't really going to impact my swordsmanship. <laughs> how how can I be a good sword? How can I live by the sword if I don't know if Fujiko Mine is good or not? Um, very very cool, very very to the point and uh, and consistent uh, approach by Goemon. How does caring for Fujiko equal training for Zantetsuken samurai nonsense? I don't know, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and like I I just I love I love that like for him it it it's simply a matter of. Yeah, like um, I need to have my a, a perfect understanding of every situation at all times, and if I don't perfectly understand Fujiko, how can I? How can I ever say that I have that? It's very step four profit. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Um, but it works out for him. So I don't know. Um, so Lupin and and Goemon are on the case. They're both learning about this in their own different ways. Um, Lupin, of course. Uh, has bugged someone in the in the room where Oscar is explaining how they're going to stop uh, Fujiko Mine because um, because you know Zenigata is Zenigata is no longer on the case. Uh, this is how we're going to do it. Um, the uh, the Goemon. Um, I forget how Goemon. Oh yeah, Goemon's just like on the roof or something like that, right? Like he's he's just. How did he learn about it? He's like. Uh, it's a different way of surveillance. I can't remember. Something like that. Yeah, something yeah, like that. I don't think I have it quite in my notes. Yeah, it's not important. It's just funny the the distinction. Lupin is using technologies, and Igata is being, or I'm sorry, Goemon's being Goemon. Um, Zenigata is still making like doing the uh, the first season of The Wire and making up a board with strings and thumbtacks <laughs> and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, they both sort of say like, okay, so here's how this is going to happen because Fujiko has. Uh, quote unquote Fujiko has uh, come up with a new uh, a, a new scam, a new a new thing that she's targeting, and it's uh, it's 
the the dress of uh, the revolution, the bride. Is this a real thing? I I do not know. Okay, I I thought you might, but um, I'm gonna assume. Uh, <laughs> give out a quick quick Google bridal dress of the revolution. Um, oh, would you look at that? Um, oh no, the bridal revolution is here. History of wedding dresses. Um, they they said a bunch of stuff like a certain country's tradition, so I got the feeling it was all made up. Yeah, it is. Sorry, there was one that looked like it was from uh, like Napoleonic France, and I was like, oh, maybe. Uh, but but the idea is, uh, it's just the the most beautiful dress, um, and it's essentially like it's the bride of the revolution who will never die, or something along those lines. In fairness. Not really what you think about when you think about the French Revolution, um, the idea of a lavish rich person. But, um, you know, it's fine. It works. <laughs> it's, it, the, the, people, the people of uh, Paris, um, where they absolutely are, um, love it. And, and it's important to them, and Fuchiko's going to steal it. So Oscar says, uh, we have to stop this. Although, actually, I'm, I'm wrong, aren't I? There's something that happens before this. Yeah, you're, you're skipping I'm miss, Yeah, I'm missing the really important part. Please, 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 uh, please make up for my my terrible mistake. I, I the Oscar <laughs> to your Zedigata is uh, I, I, I need to I need to atone. Well, um, in another attempt at uh, a Fujiko crime, um, Fujiko uh, is, is running. She, she has got uh, some sort of necklace uh, that she had, uh, aimed on stealing uh, and she is. As she's walking off into a corner, she uh, takes off her wig, and it's Oscar. Yeah, in 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 a in a twist not surprising, perhaps to most of the audience. That, uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe did this did this twist surprise you? I I figured it was probably Oscar, but like I did not. I didn't. It didn't quite land for me how much that meant you know ah yes okay that is reasonable yes that he's dressing yeah so this is um i feel like these last two episodes or last three episodes play quite a bit with gender in ways that i did not see even in the previous episode where oscar was playing with gender um he's dressed up as her and like the owls play on the fact they say like oh you want to like we know that you want to have sex with zenigata um, so we can make you into Fujiko Mine. Um, yeah, they do not skirt around uh, on, on any of this either. They they are pretty pretty blatant with it. They even say like, "You want the rhythmic interrogation?" He was <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, I guess." Um, but uh, Oscar, he he takes off the wig. He's he's frustrated. You know, um, why did why does any got to leave the case? Why won't he chase Fujiko Mine like he's chasing Lupin? Um, and then another officer walks in on Oscar, still in most of the getup, uh, holding holding the, uh, the the necklace that was stolen. And right at that moment, Oscar Oscar has a little idea. Yeah, a little little brainstorm. It, I, I like this because it's not even like Oscar's like, oh, no, I have to hide the evidence. It's <laughs> Oscar has a brainstorm of like, oh, I know how to fix this. Like, I know how to make make Zenigata care. Uh, what but if like the the officer isn't like even particularly like stunned by it like he he has sort of this air like oh sir was was this part of the plan that you just didn't tell us about like he's not really he'd be like, fine what with what the fuck it. is going on here yeah, <laughs> yeah you know? he, everyone knows Oscar's a little intense if Oscar wants to dress up as Fujiko Mine as part of the plan it's fine 
Um, but, but he, Oscar thinks to himself, well, if Fujiko Mine commits a little murder, <laughs> maybe that might bring some attention to the case. <laughs> and so he shoots the cop. Immediately. Just pretty, pretty rough. Like, um, pretty, pretty rough that this guy just gets shot for showing up in a storeroom. Um, like, it clearly thinks Oscar is a good, like, unlike every time we've seen him with Zenigata, all of these cops are like, yes, sir. Like, we trusted you, sir. Um, but you know what? It's, it's all about his black jewel, as he says. Because this episode starts with Oscar's origin story of being a, a kid, being bullied, um, uh, by the same trying to steal his his single franc coin yeah he has one franc and he jumps into the set instead of being instead of losing it and Zenigata spots him and says um that's so cool that you have so much pride um and uh as a result takes him in and basically makes him his son um and uh and and Oscar has so much pride um and wants to save the one thing in his life that he cares about which is Zenigata, who he calls his black jewel. It's it's sweet in a, in a way. <laughs> um, it, it's strange, but you know what? I mean, Oscar already seems like a pretty warped kind of guy, so I, I can see him. I can see him even as a youth going this this hard in the paint for something like that. Yeah, it is like I, I think like the reason this strikes me in the same tone as like some of the Joker stuff is because like it is that thing where you're like, oh, they're, they're writing this so that I'm I'm kind of sympathetic to the psychopath too. Like it's 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 okay. Like what what not okay, but understandable in in a certain way. It doesn't feel right. like, I guess in a way, it doesn't feel like psychopathy. It feels like just a reaction to the world. Um, which, in fairness, like murdering that guy is not a good reaction to the world. I'll just I'll just I'm gonna come out and say it. <laughs> what? I'm I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not Team Oscar on this. One. <laughs> Um, if you, if you, if you, uh, if you ship, uh, Oscar Gata, um, you're doing, you're doing Oscar bad stuff. Gata. <laughs> 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 um, so, so at this point, Oscar is Oscar's, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is the point of no return. Oscar can't go back after this. Um, and as if uh, on cue, that that is where uh, an owl flies in. Not an owl man, but a regular owl. Land. And the owl's just like, hey, man, how's it going? We're on your side, by the way. <laughs> I know what you're doing, and we approve. Um, and Oscar shoots the owl or hits it, and turns out it's just a uh, just a tape player. Not the, not the last time we're going to see that happen. Um, but they, they've looked into his... his his past, his present, you know, everything about Zenigata. Uh, this is, this is where they call out that, uh, that, that his obsession with Zenigata has turned into a love, a lust, a passion, etc. Uh, <laughs> Oscar hating, hearing all this out loud from someone, uh, especially the part about the rhythmic interrogation. I mean, how, how couldn't you at this point? Like, I think like, I think if I was in Oscar's shoes, I would also be a little like frustrated that someone was just, Love. Oh, this isn't where he hits the thing. This is the the tape recorder is later. Um, this is where he uh, he's in the he's in the station itself, right? Um, no, no, you're right. You're oh, okay. Right. Sorry. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I thought the rhythmic pounding was, <laughs> was in the station. <laughs> Who can say? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it it is it is like they really are sort of. It's not like they're shaming him for his for his desires, but like they are like 
fully spelling them out. And it's just like, yeah. it is, it is a lot for Oscar. They're, they're just saying, Hey, you know, we, 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 we have, we have the one up on you, buddy. We can read you like a book. Right. You help us. We help you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, Oscar's kind of in a situation where he says, you know, like, how much do you want to manipulate me? He goes, well, doesn't matter. Go ahead. Manipulate me. I don't care. Um, they say, we shall help you. We will grant you the form you seek. Your pass properly leads to the Bride of Terror. And that's where we get into uh, the Bride of the Revolution stuff going on. Right. Because there's a, there is a, um, there's going to be a parade. And the parade's going to go right through the middle of town. And that, he says, is where Fujiko Mine will steal the dress. And so the idea is, and and as if to make it even better, Zenigata back on the case. So there's two plans here. There's the police plan, which is keep a close eye on this because Fujiko Mine is also called a bomb threat, apparently. Um, and also uh, follow the parade route and try and be very careful about avoiding. Um, I don't know, like I guess avoiding any theft like make sure the dress isn't uh isn't um stolen and then also make sure no one gets hurt and um there's that plan and then there's also the plan of the owls which is um let's uh let's set this up so that there's a bomb under the bridge um and what you'll do is after the bomb goes off, it's going to go off before anyone goes off. There's going to be a lot of a lot of or before anyone's on the bridge. There's going to be a lot of um, uh, scared people. You hop in, rescue the bride who's wearing the bridal dress, take her to the edge of the bridge, steal the dress, and then you win. Um, and and we're, we're given this in sort of like a puppet show form, which was very cool. Step four profit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is like, I, like it's like what do you how <laughs> what what's the end game here um but that's okay uh i'm so glad you covered that because i just didn't even try in my notes <laughs> it's just like it does not matter <laughs> it's so funny like it's it, like his whole plan like the the owl's plan makes sense up to the point you're like okay yeah i guess that would be a, a good way to steal the dress and then you're like what are you gonna do after you steal the dress? You like show it to Zedigata and show how good you are at stealing stuff. Like, it's... <laughs> and this is also when um, during this point, uh, Oscar gets his his final sort of like trigger when uh, Zenigata is talking to Zenigata. Zenigata is talking to everyone in the interrogation room. He's like, "It's not gonna be Fujiko Mine though." Um, and he goes, "Do you trust Fujiko Mine?" And he goes, "No, I trust my eyes." But Oscar now fully just like committed to the bit. Uh, hears him say, I trust Fujiko Mine over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and so and at that point... Speaking of Fujiko Mine, though... Yeah, uh, so what's going on also there? Has, she also has a little bit of a break, too. Ah, yes, uh, very true. She she hears um, uh, about the, the tiara uh, being stolen, and tiara uh, is, is what causes her to have another one of her little freakouts. Yeah, MK Ultra word, backdoor. Um, she, yeah, she, she starts, she remembers being given a tiara by the count. That was a, a crown that shocked her. Yeah. Some, some sort of electro shock. Just, oh, it looks miserable. It looks so bad. It It's another one of those like short, but sweet and affecting kind of, uh, trauma flashbacks for Fujiko. 
Yeah. I, I forget. Is that the one where like you don't even see her like uh, pupils? Just it's just the whites of her eyes as she's being electrocuted. I think so. Yeah, and it's also the it's it's also the no, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not the there are like three really bad flashbacks. It's that one, the teddy bear one, and oh, the teddy bear oh that's that's really rough. Um and. Uh, and oh the one with all the girls uh getting yeah, get, so yeah it would be it would be the one where you don't see anything but her yeah but the whites of her eyes it's yeah it's really awful um because they don't they don't shy it's not like i and i i know that like this tends to be a complicated discourse um in in to some people but like it there's none of the cheating of like is this a child or is this an adult kind of thing like it's it, it's very clearly a child being electric oh, electroshocked yeah. like it's not they don't they don't mess around at all. It's it's really I mean, it's it's very um, I don't know. It's like it's, it's awful. Not not that the show is awful, but the treatment is terrible, of course. Very, very visceral, very uncomfortable in, in the exact ways it's aiming for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, so Fuchiko is just crying. Um, that's that's her out of the episode. Pretty much. She's just. Like, if you thought she she was going to do something, that's where it goes. No, no, she's still going to be in the cabin sobbing. Fuchiko is having a rough time right Fuchi- now. Fuchiko went through a lot when she tried to actually kill Jigen Lupin and, and an innocent woman. And herself. And herself. <laughs> Pulling the trigger, I might add. God, that was such a crazy <laughs> moment. Um, yeah, so it's... it's um. She's going through it still and, uh, and, and breaks down again. Um... But in case that was too heavy for the audience, now we get the real um, tentpole of the episode, the the parade heist. Oh, man, it, it it's something. <laughs> so. So, you know, Oscar um, is it, that this is where, like, he's surrounded by the uh, the Owlman in the station and uh, he's he's being. He's like, you know what? Fine. Manipulate me. I get it. Fine. Whatever. I give up. Right. Let's do it. Manipulate me as much as you want. He says. <laughs> All right. Because, you know, after after hearing after quote unquote hearing Zenigata say, I trust Fuchiko Mine, he is just ready to just give everything up. <laughs> I love I love like it, it. It's like the um. I don't know if you watch any kids in the hall, but it is. The, there's a, a, a sketch in kids in the hall where. Um, one of the characters is like he's sitting at a banquet and he, he he's sort of thinking, he goes, what was that? My mother always told me. Um, and she's, he starts thinking he's like, um, he goes, Kevin, whatever you do, never put salt in your eye. And it keeps repeating over and over until he hears like, never put salt in your eye. Never put, put salt in your eye, put salt in your eye. He goes, all right. <laughs> Just like, why did I do it? Um, it's very, very similar. Like, how did he possibly hear that? Well, he just did. <laughs> like, that's. That's At how- first, I thought it was like one of those like, oh, does it make more sense in like Japanese? Do these phrases just sound very similar? So I played it back again, and no, it's great no, that they don't. Oscar's just having a break. It's perfect that they don't. Like, why did you hear that, Oscar? Well, there's only run one reason why you heard it. <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah, he's kind of lost it at this point. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, he's got the Joker makeup on. He's he's got damage tattooed on his forehead. He does. He has ha 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 on his chest. It's it's <laughs> over the other tattoo he has for. We we never get an explanation for that tattoo, which is fine. Um, 
Yeah. I, it's just so I, you know it's just, off just so, for later. <laughs> yeah, just in case we forget to mention it, because it, it's really brief, but um I think I think actually we, we missed the chance to mention it because it's when Zenigata saves him from from drowning in the sand. Oh yeah, yeah. That's he's, the first time you see he's it. He's got I, I don't know if it's a tattoo or maybe it's like scarring or burn marks or something. I don't know. But he's got some sort of very specific, very artistically stylized within the show, uh, like markings on like the, his upper left chest area and arm. I'm going to go ahead and make a fan theory that uh, I'm not really going to make a fan theory, but I am going to make I, I would say a fun fan theory would be like um, would be the uh, that he was involved in that same uh, carnival that the tattooed lady was from and escaped. And that's why he only had one Frank. <laughs> that would be interesting. That's my, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I hate fan theories typically, so I'm not going to work that out, out all the way, but I do kind of like the idea. <laughs> if you were writing episode 10, that's how you would tie it. <laughs> that's how I tie. Yeah. That's why they fired me from this. <laughs> They're like, we don't need more. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> this is so we recognize in episode 12. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's um at the at the um things start to go awry at the parade. Um as we know, the parade is supposed to go down its its route down the Champs-Élysées um all the way to a bridge that's going to blow up. And all of a sudden, the parade stops and Oscar's freaking out. He's like, "Where's the parade? Why isn't it here?" Um parade stops. There, there are trees littered across the uh the, the the road, just the decorative trees along the road have been cut by none other than uh, our boy Goemon. I love that he just cuts these like extremely mature trees, just like whack, 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 whack. Giant logs, they all fall perfectly in the way. There's just, there's literally no way the parade can cross it without like, you know, uh, an hour or two of hard labor moving these 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 trunks and shit just out of the way. So everyone who's normal at this point is thinking like, okay, I guess the parade's off. Like, it's fine. <laughs> like, I don't know how many parades you've been to recently, but with, with children, you end up at parades more often. I feel like not that I've been to a yeah, ton, certainly. but more than I had before. And I mean, look, like it's okay to not do a parade. <laughs> it's parades are <laughs> fine. You could just stop them when they're, when they're, when they don't work anymore though. And everyone's like, Oh, I guess that's it. And, um, Strangely, Oscar really wants the parade to keep happening. So he says, on our so weird. by our honor as police, this parade will go on. <laughs> Reroute it right now. It, it's so important. The, the pride of the revolution. The people is such a love tradition this. To, this. to this unnamed, definitely not France country. I love that it's definitely not France, but it has all of the Parisian landmarks. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's <laughs> there's the Arc de Triomphe. Or, or is it? Um but yeah, it's. I mean, if 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 America is like Yamericana <laughs> and Russia was Ru Runinia or whatever, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what France would be in this setting. I, I I hope they do the thing that like most um most like anime or even just like alternate history does and call just calls France Gaul. That's always that's always <laughs> the class move to be like, yeah, this is this is in France. It's Gaul. See, I was just hoping it would be France or something. France, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most low effort. <laughs> Welcome to France. Um, <laughs> again, also, he does say you had one franc in your hand, but it's not. It's it's not France. <laughs> Some other country that uses francs. Um, the pride of the French people. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, um, 
but yeah, it's a uh, it, it it definitely is like I don't know, like it's it's a uh, it, it's not France is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely France. Um, but yeah, he 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 redirects the the parade, um, and Zenigata then sits him down and basically gives him the I know it's you, Oscar. Um, I you know d- does does the Godfather thing. You broke my heart. Um, in in the very subtle way though, where he's like, "Do you remember when we first saved you? Tried for saving that Frank? He's like, Boy, it'd be a shame if you lost sight of that." <laughs> yeah, like basically, he's like, "Ah, uh, I, I hated my job so much, and I still do. But uh, I I I was able to to my 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 boss was super corrupt, and uh, you know because because of your bravery, I was able to call him out on it, and uh, even if it meant killing my my chances of advancement." <laughs> Yeah, he's just like it's you know it's it's because of you, Oscar, and Oscar just like this is just too much for him. He, that that's where we have the the dramatic zoom in on the freak out eyes. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves so much. Not the last, um, but yeah, we we get we get that we get that great we get that great moment, and uh, and he runs off. Senegata just goes, wait, no, Oscar. Um, not, not just runs off, but runs off screaming. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which you, I mean, everyone's everyone's seen something like that happen. You just have to give that person some space. Uh, yeah, just just goes runs off screaming. Uh, the most unsubtle thing. Instead of God, is like playing it super cool. I, I, just, I can only imagine all the owl guys who are like son of a bitch. Cool it, man. Just oh man, it. you're never gonna have the rhythmic interrogation now. <laughs> Even if he did want to, now he won't. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's a pretty funny moment um, in, in that respect. Um, it is also the culmination of like just this this dude's complete break um, and some real tragic comedy. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and he uh, he runs to where Lupin is. Lupin is also doing stuff. He and Goemon are after the same thing, but not acting concert. They have not met. They each have other. still never met. They yeah. By the end of the show, they never meet. They never speak a word to each other, which is very cool. Um, but. Uh, but the um yeah he he goes and he he's like yeah you know I'm I'm uh, I got I got to find this bomb knows where it is figures it out um gets to the bomb and um uh starts bomb, to by the way it. shaped like an owl but even even Lupin's like okay it's a little much like <laughs> come on come on man like you could do one thing that's not an owl but it's very dedicated to the bit it's a very complicated bomb. He has some cool spy stuff in there, though. He, he glues the the vibration device down. It's it's pretty neat. Uh, very very early Mission Impossible kind of. Oh mission. yeah, enjoyable. Absolutely. Very, very much though. Just love watching like something that's tense that I kind of know how it's gonna go, but they're just like, okay, don't pull that wire. Um, and you're just like, oh, I hope they don't. Um, but yeah, he uh he he's able to um he's able to uh uh freeze the thing in place and starts to, to undo it. But um, he then undoes one thing and it starts going really fast. Um, and it's, it's not going to be able to be uh, uh, an explosion is going to happen. Is. Basically something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so Oscar now runs in screaming <laughs> still shoves Lupin out of the way full force uh, and grabs the bomb and says there's no time <laughs> yeah, he does he does the action hero thing um uh, and, and like 
I forget, like, he says something about Zenigata and, like, he he had faith in me or he believed in me or something like that. And then he jumps into the sin or not or the, the sane or the, the sod. He jumps into the sod. <laughs> the insane. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. He jumps in with the bomb and there's the, the underwater explosion and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the end of Oscar's, uh, madcap reign of terror. You, you kind of see his dying moments as he is, uh, Lying in in the France sky in a wedding dress. <laughs> I yeah I I feel like one of the worst things to do in this instance and 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 as and I am as like a cis guy I am not qualified to say this. You would be far more qualified to say this. Um, but I will say it, it, maybe one of the worst discourses to have at this point is oh can we figure out by context here if Oscar is trans. Um. I don't think that's a productive conversation. I don't know. Would you think that's a productive or even a, like a reasonable or a, a, a solvable conversation? I don't think so. There, There's honestly like so many different ways to interpret all of this. It's so I complicated. Mean. Yeah. Because because he, he flies away in the wedding dress and and he, he meets Zenigata and then they, they take each other's hands and then Zenigata is is snatched away by by an owl yeah Uh, that's where the episode ends the whole thing is just like there's so much like you know because there's stuff like the you know where the owls tell him you know we will give you the the form that you desire right right the where he you know we we talked about earlier in the in the uh isolde uh schoolgirl episode where how much how much is his obsession with Fujiko? Like, is that transference to getting Zenigata's attention? Is that, is he also similarly obsessed with Fujiko? Because some of the stuff he did in that episode was equally as like uh, purposefully sexual. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the, yeah, we, we, we did talk about that where like the, the, his kind of like hatred towards Fujiko reads as sexual. Like even he calls her a spittoon again. in This one is <laughs> his favorite comment. Um, yeah, I think like I guess like because I, I, I could see that discourse happening and it just it strikes me as like. I mean, there are trans characters in anime already, um, and it feels to me like Oscar is kind of being misread by the owls who are who sort of do like a really weird like only men and women can know this one thing about each other. And it's like, geez, owls, that's like kind of, yeah. that kind of sucks. Like, What are you doing? Um, I mean, they are very evil, so it's okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, like, I think it's just as likely that he's completely misunderstood by the owls, um, and doesn't actually really get much of a chance to speak for himself until this episode where he is like completely losing it. It, it, it's, it's weird. It's very rich in, in what it does, but it's all, it's also has this weird grasping at straws. Like, what am I supposed to read? This. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, there's, I, I, I think like in some ways that's kind of it's sort of refreshing because it doesn't give you any sort of like. It doesn't give you the closure on the character that you want, like, I think in some ways you want it to be like, well, so do I is is he is he in love with Zenigata is does Zenigata see him as a son or does he see him as a subordinate? Does he see Zenigata as a father? Is he. Does he, is he some sort of like foil for Fujiko? Right. In some sort of, you know, narrative sense. He really like, I mean, he really sort of just like kind of exists as a 
more than any other character in this, he exists as a problem for the plot. And I, I think that's really cool. Like, I liked what they did with Oscar in that way. And in, in some ways, like, the way his character develops feels honest in the way that, like, romantic frustration feels or, or can feel. Yes. Definitely. So he's definitely the character I feel like I I have the most trouble, I guess, like fitting in narratively to Fujiko. Like, what does he add? What does he, you know, because he's very clearly like, you know, the new major cast member. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's it's hard to be like, what, you know, what does all of this mean? What what was all of this for? Was this just like we want to do something with Zenigata? Was this just we need, you know, uh, another character to to move the uh, general plot along? Yeah, and I think like I think one of the things I like about Oscar's character is that it never quite boils down to anything. Like it never quite, bo- and that that makes it sound bad. It never quite boils down to one specific thing like you it can be in some ways it is yeah they clearly wanted to do something with Zenigata and in some ways it's like yeah they clearly wanted to interrogate some of the stuff people are talking about with like you know we kind of alluded to with like people like to read queerness into Lupin um and then some ways they they wanted a a a kind of like a foil to Fujiko um and then like in some ways he's like his own character and he, he I I rarely ever feel that the new character is necessary or interesting, but I, I think like by the end I found Oscar to be kind of necessary and interesting. I don't know if I can articulate exactly why, uh, <laughs> yeah, same. but Big I, same. I think he needs to be there. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know like what I find that he does irreplaceable, but I do think the series would be worse off without him. Definitely in, in, in the big pantheon of uh, additional cast member to Lupin story. Uh, he is uh, definitely one of the much better ones. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It, in thinking about it in terms of like um, the, from the scale that I have of, of uh, sub sub characters, uh, he is not um, like the he's not like uh, Rally Vincent in Riding Bean. Uh, nor nor is he Rally Vincent in Gunsmith Cats, who is much better. But he he's he's closer to someone like the 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 female foils in Vampire Hunter D. Like it's important that he's there. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. This, I, I've been I've been reading all the or I've been looking oh, yeah. at the audiobooks of them, and every single one of them has the the young, like you know, sixteen year old <laughs> girl who's got some sort of, you know, special factor or something that gets her involved with all of these adventures. And uh, that, that's definitely a good comparison. They, they are a very similar narrative purpose. How have those been? I forgot that you were reading those. Uh, you know, honestly, pretty good. Nice. Um, I, I was concerned because um, I knew the, the one that is adapted into Bloodlust, I knew it had a lot more, uh, shall we say, uncomfortable elements ah, in, mm. in the source material. Oh, no. I, you <laughs> and, can see uh, that in Bloodlust on the, if you squint. But uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, I was really concerned about that. And yeah, it's there. Um, The the guy who writes him, he he really likes having his uh, his his uncomfortable sexual assault scenes or just straight up rape scenes. Um, But like, honestly, I mean, I'm not going to say those parts are good, but the ways in which it is like more grim and uncomfortable 
I feel like actually kind of help Bloodlust or not Bloodlust. The, the novel Bloodlust is based on. It helps that out a bit. Okay. I feel like. Interesting. Not not quite as well done as as a Berserk will say, but I get it. <laughs> I mean, no one no one has ever said that anything is as well done as a Berserk in in that regard. But uh, yeah, interesting. Okay. I've definitely been enjoying them. I, I I would recommend checking them out if you ever get the chance. I should read they more are, light they're, novels. They're cool. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's like I it's a genre I know nothing about, like the light novel genre, and I I feel like a lot of people are that way, and it's so huge. Um, the 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 anime movies like they 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 do a good job of a really good job of adapting the source material, but they do downplay how sci fi it all is. Yeah, and you know what that like that's something that I feel like is is very very there in the first Vampire Hunter D that is not so much there in Bloodlust. As much as I love Bloodlust, I love the first one. It does have like the laser rifles and shit. yeah, and the whole and it has like the opening crawl about the cyber mutants and all that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very uh yeah, very very much a um it feels like a product of its time, but also it like it adds so much. So it yeah. it rips like the the the. The world building and and just, I mean, I hate to say lore, but yes, yeah, sincerely, it's cool in Vampire Hunter D. Definitely give it a read if you ever want to. I nice. would recommend it. Excellent. So, it has to be said, we're on to the last two episodes, which I am not going to be able to treat in, in any way as two separate episodes. I mean, it helps that they're called The Woman Called Fujiko Mine Part 1 and Part 2. It does help. So, it know. does. It really Basically should be one, one episode. double-sized episode. I feel like <laughs> this is where they can learn, where a lot of shows can learn from the success of Rakugo, um, is like that one supersized first episode needed to be the one supersized first episode. This would have been a great supersized episode. I still yeah, love it. The ending, the ending of the first part uh, is like one of my favorite moments in the entire franchise. Like that, and then the ending, oh man, the ending is so good. It's just so well done. Um well, we start with a good starting point too. This is very, I mean, if you wanted, if you wanted sort of a 1960s French film, um, like, are, are, am I watching Fujiko Mine or am I watching Breathless? Uh, this first scene where, uh, well, Zenigata first is in the, in the, uh, in the police station and everyone is making fun of him because he lost Fujiko. He can't go after Lupin. He lost his, uh, his, uh, his subordinate. He's, he's a dead man walking. They're all making fun of old, old Zenigata. Um, because he forgot his coat in like the, the coffee room. <laughs> in fairness, not the best move. But um, he uh, goes to a cafe, and or, uh, we go to a cafe first, and we see uh, Fujiko sitting there, and some guy asks, "Oh, are you eating alone?" Makes his move on Fujiko, um, and we hear "No," and Zenigata has handcuffed her um, immediately. Yeah, I gotcha power move <laughs> it is it's very much a power move although it's also clearly not an aggressive i mean when he handcuffs lupon you know he's like he's in full cop mode here it's more it's almost flirty yeah th- this one is less like all right i'm i'm putting you behind fucking bars lupon yeah. this is more like handcuffing as a threat <laughs> gotcha <almost>. yeah, exactly <laughs> um and then they go in and have a conversation in, a, in the car which essentially boils down to, hey, um, you know, maybe we should team up. Do you know about all this Oscar thing of him impersonating you? <laughs> Do you know literally anything about that? Because, uh, you know, they didn't find his body. And if you're involved in it, I'm going to assume you have disposed of his body. So. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, 
He's like, she's like, well, don't you want to avenge him by figuring all that out? He goes, I'll avenge him by taking you to the gallows. <laughs> he goes, well, that's no good. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know if you avenge Oscar and prove that he he was the one who did all that. I don't know why you'd execute Fujiko Mine, but I guess she has killed other people. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a cute moment though because she basically convinces him maybe they should team up, and she's already undone the handcuff. Um, so we get our second good team up. Zenigata and Lupin was our first, and now it's Zenigata and Fujiko. Like Zenigata, he he's figured out like uh, all the owl uh, imagery and such is obviously going to be connected back to Glaucus Pharmaceuticals. So Zenigata's like, well, uh, obviously it's the Count, Count, Count Lewis, you all made of the guy I wanted this whole time. He is actually behind everything. Right. No other way. Yeah, I, I, I do like how it keeps coming back to the count in this way. Um, it again, like, I don't want to keep saying it reminds me of the Count of Cagliostro, but it does because Lupin is a, a genre series and that's the one I've watched most recently. Um, but it is, he, you know, we keep getting back to kind of like, okay, there's a central villain for all of these characters, even though they're all on opposite sides of the law. Um, and it's this count. It's this really, really bad guy. Um and, uh, you know, a dude who just loves, loves making pharmaceuticals. And so they go. Speaking of the count. Yeah, uh, please do. There, there's a, a lovely little trauma flashback again. <laughs> yeah. W- which one are you talking about? There, this whole. Th- so this episode's fantastic. It's also really hard to watch because there's a, like tons of trauma flashbacks. It's just. This one's just straight up emotional. Yeah, it's wall to wall. It's yeah, it's like pretty rough like you just get to watch fujiko unravel um and and very reasonably so why don't you talk about the trauma flashback so this this is the um this is where fujiko she's on her little bed as a child and uh, she's begging uh for 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 her teddy bear it has been taken away by the count and she's like, you know, no, don't don't take away my teddy bear. It's the only present I have from my mom and dad. And then the count just leans in all really creepy like and he's just like, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, I believe I'm your father now. So awful. <laughs> so bad. Like, and just uh, I, I don't think I ever wrote it down. I don't think he's anyone like, super famous or anything, but uh, the voice acting on the count is impeccably creepy. It's so so creepy it's just like yeah, it's, it's I, i'm genuinely uncomfortable it's like it's the way he's like i'm your papa now it's it's oh, so soft man. oh my god like it's like it has that kind of like it's threatening but it's also like kind of like velvety it's very very uncomfortable to it's, listen to it's it's like the perfect mix between like you know comforting grandpa and just slasher villain yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And it, it like it's on that line of like, oh, this person can snap at any point and kill me. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, he, he burns her teddy bear in the fire, throws it right in the fire. This is what happens when you misbehave and you also get hurt and brands her 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 foot. It gets gets the brand, the L.Y.A. Lewis, you all made a brand. <laughs> I, Which, uh, I'm only laughing because that sounds like my favorite brand to buy at uh, at Fashion Week too. <laughs> uh, um, Lya, uh, if you recall from way, way, way back in the first episode, was the uh, the signature given at the first like ominous on text 
uh, narration about you know Fujiko, give me your tail, etc. Ah, uh, right. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, and then that's all he wants. The whole show is her is her story. He wants more of it. Um, oh, that's interesting. I totally forgot about that. That's a really good good, good catch. Um, well, that's that's really neat that they tied that in so well. Uh, I also like. This is the point at which the I, I think it's like the story starts <clears throat> unraveling a bit in a good way where like you start to like Fujiko even says she's like, oh, I covered up all the scars that I got from him. And you're just like, we've seen Fujiko naked so many times and she has no burn marks on her. And the you know, the all the torture they're discussing. I don't how would she ever have done it? It doesn't seem to make sense. Is is it all just like metaphorical, like emotional scars? Maybe possibly. I, well, if only we knew. But unfortunately, it's all it's all left a mystery, and we never find out. Um, Not at all. <laughs> no, no. Of course, we find out. Uh, but before we do, uh, Zenigata and uh, Fujiko end up at a, a <laughs> Owl World. I love this so much. <laughs> Glaucus Land, the, the, the most horrible theme park of all time. Um, Did you ever see um, the the Batman animated series movie Mask of the Phantasm? Yes, <laughs> it, that the whole thing reminds me of the abandoned world of tomorrow yeah. and that climax. No, you're you're totally right. Yeah, it's it's like it really is like it's utterly terrifying. Like it, it's absolutely it's so good. just like the abandoned world of tomorrow. It's very much like hey, let's do a thing about Coney Island. But it's also like what if Coney Island was also just like decayed and rotten. And like the worst, like uh, Lupin and Jigen also end up going there. And the Lupin thing that really he does that really cements what this place is, is he goes, ah, soft serve, uh, goes over, yes. to get some ice cream, starts coming out looking pretty good. And then there are just a bunch of maggots in it or or not maggots, but like beetles, I guess. Um, I have that in my notes, too. It's such a good, good moment. It's, it's a good thing of like and then he says no compliments to the chef. <laughs> Lupin always unflappable. Um, it's so good because it's such a like it's it's a creepy Scooby Doo ass abandoned amusement park and like oh soft sir <laughs> it's so Lupin yeah oh absolutely so Jake it's like come on get out no <laughs> like they they have to present their tickets that they didn't know they had to an owl man who disappears to get in and he's still like oh soft sir. <laughs> Yeah, such a such a perfect moment. No, it's great. Um, so I think like um, all, 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 basically all of the moments about the um, the theme park are fantastic, including the tickets, which we get for the first time with Zenigata and uh, Fujiko, uh, where uh, the, the owl asks, uh, you know, any tickets, tickets? Um, and Zenigata's like, I don't. What, what the hell are you talking about? Like, we just showed up. Um, and he points to his chest, uh, Zenigata's chest, and Zenigata looks, and wouldn't you know it, uh, he has tickets to this strange place he never learned about until today, uh, just in his breast pocket. Um, I love just how purposefully nonsensical the show gets from here. Just, like, the fact that there is this whole Glaucus pharmaceutical happy fun time theme park land 
and there's there's like the house of fujiko attraction which we'll get to later that even has like its own it's a small world kind of theme song oh god and it's none of it makes sense. the world of so fujiko <laughs> it's so on the nose i love every minute of it it's great like it it is like i like that it is like clearly the work of someone with a lot of money who has also like completely lost the plot and become extremely obsessed but unlike other you know media that does this i mean this is a fairly well-worn trope but like unlike other media that that is like oh they they made like a shrine to you it makes no sense in scale or scope like, it's it's just so big and so i don't know like it's like everything about it is like way 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 too worked out um and it it, it is wonderful because of it it's 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 such a uh fun setting it's it's so unhinged in all the right kinds of ways that totally work with where the story's at at that moment yeah definitely um and so yeah i mean uh, in a move that i did not think was a good move uh fujiko in going in with zenigata is is you know not enjoying herself at, at owl world um but uh sees a place called the was it like it's is it the house of fujiko mine or the, I, I believe it's a, I, I think it's just the house of fujiko i think <laughs> yes you're right it's yeah. the house of fujiko um and uh she she goes in in a move that i was not i was thinking this is not a good idea fujiko like you're you're in a fragile state don't go into a house based all around you in this awful park but she does because she's a she's a trooper um if they go on the ride and it's like it's 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 one of those slow rides <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a dark ride uh you get a lot of um imagery of of the previous episode you get a lot of the the Eulenspiegel and dr kaiser stuff and this is where fujiko starts like recalling um her past in, in her own words just saying it out loud you know my you know her, her real father abandoned her uh you know she she was chosen among all the other girls who were experimented on to go to the castle in the sky. There, there are shots of like the, the count watching on just creepily from like a <laughs> monitoring room, just grossly yearning. It's like it's and, and saying he's yearning too. Like that's uh, and like I, I think like the song they all sing is is cool because it's a it it is a small world after all song, but it's also like it sounds a little bit like the sort of songs, at least American versions of old, um, uh, what, what is that? Oh, you know this better than me. And now I'm like, um, I'm not going to remember like the, the, the thing that like Ultraman is, um, Oh, they're like the children's chorus kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's sort of like it, at least the American sort of like versions of it that I've seen in, in shows and stuff. It sort of seems like, you know, like they're, they're just like singing the praises of like a superhero or something like that. Like it, f- you know, that actually originated in America. Really? The, um, the English dub of, uh, Astro boy was the first one to add a children's chorus lyric to it. And Japan really liked that. And, and they used it in, in future versions of Astro boy. And then that's what inspired, uh, further things to use that kind of thing. interesting. I had no idea. I, it, it like, it felt like something that was like, so close to something you'd see in American media that I was like, I wonder. So that's, it's a cool bit of synergy. That's yeah, that's neat. But listen, it's, we're just, we're not so different after all, everyone. Uh, Let that be the lesson of a woman called Fujikomi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, basically they, they go in this place and it it is, it, it, this ride takes no prisoners. It's just the worst, 
um, the worst place for Fujiko to possibly be. They go down a huge flume um, and end up in uh, experimentation land where uh, the 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 various little Fujikos. There's a lot of girls, and they're all being chopped up by doctors. Various just like animatronics, just you know, like s- slicing the knife, and 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 the mannequins. You know, its eyes pop out, and it goes ah, you know, that over and over again, very comically. Which again really reminds me of um, Mask of the Phantasm. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. No, that's a that's a really good call. Yeah, it's it's like it is. It's it's again that that really visceral thing of what if a what if like a playset is usually fairly joyful was not just like creepy but actually like deeply upsetting and traumatizing. And like when it, when that's pulled off in the right tone, it really works. Like I think. Um, my wife's family didn't didn't go to fairs like they would go they would go and watch I don't know if you had fairs where you grew up but uh yeah totally. okay um I'm sure there are places that don't have fairs uh but uh like you know town fairs for anyone listening uh just like you know places where there are rides and games and typically fireworks or whatever um and they they're around for like a week and then they pack up and move away and you know like they're fun um my wife's family didn't let her go to them because they were convinced that all that happened at fairs were that people got stabbed. They were, just, <laughs> they were fully convinced of this. Um, and and uh, I, I feel like that kind of mindset kind of ruins this because you have to at least think that the fair is, is you have to have some sort of fond memory of it. And I think like playing off the fond memory of like, it's a small world or like animatronics or something like how, how, you know, pure they can be uh, really, really, uh, makes the idea of like this you know very cartoonish scene of 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 abuse after we've seen very like realistic and troubling ones uh land so much more viscerally yeah they 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 play it like like a joke like we've seen the human experimentation done on fujiko but then they just have the little silly (laughs) half scale mannequin do the thing and like they they comedically time it like cut yeah cut yeah cut yeah very good (laughs) Fujiko doesn't like it, though. She's not a big fan. This is the point where she just pulls out her gun and starts blasting. Yeah, and who can blame her, right? Like, this is... It is deeply personal, deeply upsetting, deeply, on some level, offensive. Uh, Yeah, no, and, like, what's interesting about it, too, is, like, it is, it's this, it it goes along with the themes of the show, too, where, um, where the, um... Where like the uh, um, sorry, where Fujiko wants to kill the people who hurt her, but also wants to kill herself. Like there, you know, the 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 self destructive quality because she's shooting everywhere. So she shoots the experimenters, but she also completely destroys the Fujiko person getting experimented on. Like shoots it dead between the eyes. It's it's very it's very much like Fujiko just wants everything to be broken. Senegata's trying to just stop Puts her in a full nelson while she's shooting calm calm down just stop stop blasting that's a little dangerous and it's in a a dark ride i feel like it's like cramped environment it's very very brave to put someone in a full nelson while they are firing a gun um (laughs) in a dinky little boat a little dark ride boat don't shoot me though um (laughs) yeah yeah she doesn't um and it just gets weirder from there, right? Like they they keep going through. I forget. Is this where? This is where it cuts to uh, Lupin. Yeah. So they're they're, they're yeah. again. It's a two hander. There's and eventually a three hander because Goman does show up. Um, but you get like um, 
You get Lupin and Senegata as well. You get Lupin and, and uh, um, Jigen as well. He convinces Jigen to go do this, even though Jigen says, I don't want to. Um, he says there's going to be lots gotta. of treasures. You got to. He's like, lots of treasures, and I only want one. He goes, I don't know what you see in this lady. She is nuts. He goes, she's a world-class beauty. World-class. Come on. Don't, don't you have an eye for art, Jigen? <laughs> Lupin's one of those creepy guys who talks about like legs like that. Like, oh, he's got legs <laughs> that go up to here. <laughs> Lupin is a gams man for sure. <laughs> Lupin is 100% one of those guys who talks about legs too much. Um, and, and, and you know what? I'm glad he's living his truth. Um, yeah. See, so like he, he says, yeah, like, um, you know, I, I gotta go, gotta go get her. Like she's, she's the woman for me. Um, and apparently we don't see it. We don't see how this, how this convinces Jigen, but apparently this convinces Jigen. Um, and we find him at the place. They're also asked for tickets. Uh, and, and where are the tickets? Oh, I, I forget. Were, uh, were they in their hats? Yeah, they're in One Jigen's hat Jigen's on top hat, of his yeah. lustrous hair. Yeah. It's a, you get the hatless Jigen reveal. Just as a, a, a mane of like lovely hair. And good for him. Um, <laughs> he could have been bald under there, but he's, he has like. His, his what you know questionable like i'm every uh i'm every mobster and tough guy ethnicity that's sort of like his italian hair um <laughs> it's very good um but yeah they find the tickets and they head on in uh jigen goes straight to the soft serve <laughs> jigen hates this place lupon loves it um he's into it but uh but jigen's like this place really does not give me a good feeling um Lupin is getting the soft service, you say, and uh, then it has all the the bugs in it. And I think at that point, Lupin kind of gets on board with maybe this place isn't yeah. so great. That's that's where they kind of enter serious mode. And then Lupin talks about everything he's figured out about, which is not all that much. Um, you know, he, he was really interested um, initially in her because the count uh, told him to steal her. And he's like, well, I don't want to do it because you're telling me to do it. What's so good about her that you want to stole her? What's. <laughs> I need to know about this Fujiko Mine, but he really can't find any info on her. There's, you know, there's no one with the name, and Jigen's like, well, I mean, come on, she's a thief, right? So it's an alias. It's, that's not a real name. And, well, yeah, you're probably right, but there's also no one matching her description or even her, her general character, her demeanor. can find literally no information on her. And he, he determines that this must be, and, and this is one of those moments where Lupin comes upon a solution that um, anyone else would never come upon like truly, truly a brilliant, but also extremely idiosyncratic choice, which is or uh, observation, which is someone has stolen the life of the woman called Fujiko Mine. Some real 4D chess. Like, oh, I, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Luvan. Yeah, that 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 adds up, I guess. Sure. Uh, oh, do you mean like stolen identity or no, no metaphor? Yeah, he, he's stolen metaphorically, but also literally it's, it's all gone. It's, 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 it's vapor. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird moment. Um, and then Lupin reckons even, even he and Jigen are, are already part of her tale. They'll have a part to play in this whole nonsense. Yeah. Cause Jigen says the very Jigen thing of like, well, it's all very sad, but doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and right on cue, Owlman, boom. Up at the top of a roller coaster. Really, again, Mask of the Phantasm, very much, very much a good <laughs> call. This is this is as Batman as you can get to just like show up on the top of a roller coaster. Um, and Owl, the Owl does it um, and basically says, like, I want you to 
second verse, same as the first. I want you to steal Fujiko Mine. Uh, or no, uh, Lupin assumes that, and, and the owl goes, no, I want you to kill Fujiko Mine, actually, now. Um, <laughs> uh, but what if I don't? And then the owl pulls out a machine gun. <laughs> and then we have we, we get a really good chase scene of, of, uh, of Lupin and Jigen. Tra- roller coaster chase. Yeah, the best kind. Uh, Jigen and Lupin have to hold on to a roller coaster while being shot at by a machine gun. Um, it's, it's, it's such a cool shootout. It's great. It's, visually very tasty to look at uh get some cool stuff with lighting the and the ultimate thing where like jigen just starts shooting down things when they're in a tunnel and like lupon makes use of them it's it's a it's a neat it's like probably the first time you get to see them properly team up in this in this series which is fun um yeah you get to see like oh yeah like when when they're like when they're working together they like they use each other's talents right that's how they have extremely good chemistry yeah exactly which is why they keep doing these jobs it's certainly not because jigen likes lupon and gets along with him. Not no, enough. they they hate each other, but <laughs> they 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 sure can shoot. Um, now they're friends, 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 and friends. Bicker. Um, throughout all this, Lupin is also talking about um, how he has reckoned that the Count has has watched this whole thing. That this is how you know they met Fujiko. This is where we get the clips of the other episodes of, of Pichalina being shown the photo of Fujiko by an owl man, all that kind of thing. Uh, various involvement, you know, Shitoto being manipulated by the owl people at first. Every single step of the way, this Count Louis U. Almeida has uh, has been manipulating everything to to his advantage. He's like he's a real stinker, is this guy? I mean, but he's he's efficient. Um, I think it's it, it would be wild if there were even more characters in this entire charade. Yeah, but of course there are. Lupin. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be wild, wouldn't it? Um, I do like I do like the only person who like actually was like, you know, taken in by the the owl themselves was uh, Chicholina. I, I mean, and of course, like the the Shitoto, but like you know, he's 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 a, a special case in some ways. But like yeah. that, we get we get Chicholina like being like, oh yeah, okay, like thanks, owl person, I'll I'll hire her. Um, very much in keeping with her personality, as we as we understand yeah. her. Very much. Just, I I want to die. What does it matter what I do? Yeah. All right. You got it, talking owl. Real housewives of uh, of total existential despair moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 a neat it's a neat callback because like unlike unlike I, I think like a lot of a lot of things that do that where it's like oh like look you you missed all the clues. It's like no, you didn't really miss all the clues. It's just like if you want to write a story about this stuff this way, you can um and it's it yeah it's it's like it's not straight up clips from the episodes or anything it's not like oh this scene meant that it's it's more just like here's new 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 to the audience footage of these events being linked right exactly um but yeah it's cool it's like it's a it's a neat way of understanding like okay so the whole the whole uh season was constructed around around um the count like the count did all this um and you know fujiko and uh and well, okay, wait. We'll get to the end of the roller coaster. Um, uh, Jigen shoots off a part of the roller coaster that's like a big, uh, big sign, and Lupin uses it to hit the owl person. Um, gets gets in the gets in the thing with them. Says like this owl person will tell us what the what the count wants. Um, but instead, there's another bomb on the track, and the owl person it blows up. Owl person leaps overboard. Lupin does the extremely Lupin thing of swimming through the air to try and catch. Uh, Classic. Wonderful. Just always good to look at. And uh, and doesn't um, 
Owl Falls, we, we don't know necessarily what's happened to it, and Jigen and Lupin are sort of left adrift. And we see Goemon. <laughs> Goemon entering the story in such a, a dramatic Truly way. Truly Goemon way, standing in front of a computer and saying, what do I do with this? Oh, uh, no. Oh, is he, it... he wakes up on an opera. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is all. Oh, yeah. No, he. <laughs> I forgot about. Is this how I end? He says, is this the end of me? All the owls around him. They they are they are performing some sort of heinous human experimentation. So you are led to believe until one of them uh, screws on a, a tube of lipstick <laughs> and just they they dress him up like Fujiko. Yep, they do. And I mean, to his credit, he he escapes as well. Uh, he seems to, if there were if there was a. <laughs> If there was ill intent, uh, they did not get a chance to do that. They are all knocked out on the floor uh, when, when we next see uh, Goemon. But he does look like Fujiko. He, he's got the wig. He's got, um, I think it's a coat we've seen her wear before. Yeah, yeah. I think everything is like, I mean, insofar as the people who are Fujiko are, um, we'll, we'll touch on them in a minute, but like are actually wearing clothes at all. Um, I think they're all stuff she's worn um, or at least stuff that, she would she would wear uh, right which actually in thinking about it is sort of a weird plot hole but that, that's fine it doesn't matter um but uh um yeah jigen jigen uh no, i'm sorry goemon looks just like her um he he also doesn't really seem to care like it's not like he's not <laughs> like how dare you do this to me it's like okay he, he can probably take the wig off at any time but he's just not perturbed by it at the moment yeah go on go on only changes the things he has to change in the world and this is fine like this is you know i wouldn't i wouldn't go so far as to say like he's he's loving it but also he doesn't seem to care so he's he's fine um and he's fuchigo for the rest of the, these episodes he's got the lipstick he's got the wig um he doesn't it's not like uh you know like which Fujiko do I shoot uh, moment? Uh, you can tell it's Goemon, but um, no, it's very clearly Goemon just dressed up in a funny way. But he uh, he decides to interfere in the whole situation at this point by uh, then cutting the generator to the park in half, um, which is a real problem for uh, Lupin and uh, and uh, Jigen, who are uh, at the bottom of the roller coaster um, and don't know where to go. Uh, I can't remember if this happens before or after the owl. You'll have to forgive me. But it's also a weird moment for uh, Zenigata and Fuchiko, who are in the belly of the beast, surrounded now, now not by robots and automata, but by real people who have been, like, dressed up as Fuchiko as well. Um, and are Yeah, they they exit the boat ride into kind of, like, I guess, like a shooting attraction where there's like a bunch of, of, of mannequins uh, made up to look like Fujiko and, and is still kind of freaking out and firing at them. And, and this is where she gets the, uh, what we talked about before where she starts talking about, you know, I covered up all the wounds they gave me by adorning myself in finery. Um, eventually I locked it all away in a pressure chest. And she suppressed her memories. And the count knows of, of that. She has done this. right. This is where the count gets extra creepy, where he's just like, all I want is love. All I want is for us to return to our days of love. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's creepy. It's rough. Oh, it's so well delivered, too. Oh, it's beautiful. 
And it is like it's a very Fujiko thing to say to cover oneself in finery to 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 cover up one's uh one's problems or one's in, in like insecurities or whatever. So it all adds up. Like it's it's a great line and, and a great delivery. Um and in in the, the they 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 determine that all these mostly topless women are uh are like essentially made to be Fujiko. Um and Zenigata notices an interesting tattoo on one of them. <laughs> Yeah, in in the in the botched copies, there seems to be a uh, a familiar looking one that that pulls a gun on on Zenigata. This is like the only one that's like outwardly armed. <laughs> the others are just kind of menacing, but this this one has a gun. Yeah, and it, I mean honestly, if you had to arm one, uh, you you <laughs> you'd arm Oscar, who who we know can handle it, handle himself with a gun. Um yeah, so Zenigata realizes this is Oscar, and you know immediately realizes, okay, like he, I have to, I have to handle I'll, this. I'll handle yeah. this one. Um, and tells tells uh, tells Fujiko, you go ahead, I got this. Uh, Fujiko goes ahead, and her memories that's are where, coming back. That's where, yep, uh, this is also where the the Goemon generator thing happens in in their time frame. Mm, yes. I love the Goemon generator thing. It's so it's so perfect. Like it's just Goemon looks at it and it goes, I don't know what this room is. I this looks important. I God take the wheel. Yeah, I'm gonna cut it in half. <laughs> so good. What a what a perfect movie. Yeah, he's 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 wonderful. <laughs> training. It's all just training. He's he's Goku, but different. Um in that <laughs> regard. But he uh yeah, so he he does that and um uh Fujiko starts realizing where she's going um, and she recognizes this pathway and finds herself where else, but the, um, but the, um, uh, the, the Duke's room. And this whole sequence, I, it's, it's, I I told, I I said it before, but it's, it's my favorite in in the entire show Mm. where she's just ascending this, this Gothic staircase they're playing um, the the opening song, but without the, the 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 husky narration. So it's just the ominous strings and such, and it's just it's such this it's such a well executed like tension build up. It, it reminds me a lot of the, the the like the staircase scene for all the duels in Utena. Okay, in a way, yeah, it's just all very perfectly dramatic. I I really love it. It is great, and like I think the the payoff is also equally dramatic where it's like the 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 kind of breaking of fujiko mine um because it's not explicitly violent it's just the the threat and the the crumbling and that's how the episode ends which is just like yeah she meets him and then he just goes i've missed you fujiko come sit on my lap don't do as i say i'll punish you again i'll burn you to ashes and she goes i'm so sorry father and and that's where where the episode I'm literally breaks down, like falls, falls to, to her, to her knees. Just, Oh my God. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, um, this is how the series ends. It's over now. Um, (laughs) nothing else. Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, and that, that explains how the Fujiko Mina, you know, and love came to exist. Um, (laughs) uh, no, it's so that, yeah, that's, that's how this episode ends. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's remarkably, that's only the end of part one, right? I will say part two even more streamlined, however, um, in that a lot of it is let's explain what happened uh, kind of stuff. Yes. But um, yeah, when we pick up in part two, um, we get Lupin B 
being very Lupin and uh, and telling Fuchiko, hey, <laughs> get up. This isn't you. Show your power. If you're such a fine woman, you're going to be able to like to 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 figure this out. Like, don't don't let him do this to you. And she goes like, oh, am, I, am I a fine woman? I, I I don't know. Like, do I have power? And uh, she's just like deliriously repeating every word Lupin says to her. Like, she's still kind of gone. And and there's this there's this great scene where like he's talking her through it, and and the count is like, don't listen to him. He's like, he's he's not who you should be listening to. Um, and and it, you know it's it's very it's very much like a, a a traditional like you know back and forth between two people who want different things for a person, um, but what I, I like is that uh, when Fujiko collapses uh, eventually Lupin just goes ah, and he he's called her this before and I thought it was strange but it, it comes back here he says the marionette strings have been cut, um, now she's just Fujiko and like it's it's a neat moment like it's. I, I think like one of the big tensions to me anyway about and I, I might just be saying uh, something that everyone feels about Lupin and Fujiko. But one of the big tensions for me with Fujiko and Lupin is like how much Lupin sees her as a person as opposed to just like kind of an object. Um, right. And now that I say that out loud, that's like essentially the tension. So this is not an original thought, but um, it it's like it. There are moments where it's clear like he he genuinely has affection but then also like romantic affection as well uh for her and and esteem and and this is like this is a really good moment of that where he says like okay like now you're your own person again let's see like uh, you're the, this is the this is the fujiko i care about who like isn't being strung along like has her own free will and it's 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 a neat it's a i don't know it's a very perceptive moment by lupon who plays the like imperceptive dumb guy role very well in this series yeah, it's a, it's an extremely rare mask off moment for Lupin because you know normally he he plays up how how he is he plays up being the the extreme horn dog obsessed with every every facet of Fujiko which you know I mean that obviously comes in later in the timeline so to say mm-hmm. but he's just the kind of guy who who plays up how goofy he is right. at all times how how nonchalant he is and um. This is probably one of the first times he's ever like been genuine with her in any sort of way, right? And like, I guess it, it's it's worth noting that <clears throat> she's not in the same air, she's not even in the same room as him at this point, and she can't hear him. He's not in the same galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, he's basically saying this to Jigen. He's not saying it to Fujiko. Um, yeah, but like he, they're in the uh, they're in the broadcasting room that, that the count was before had to be in the final boss arena <laughs> right and so fujiko then um kind of wakes up and and shoots shoots the duke am i skipping count rather am i skipping something there i feel like i'm skipping something uh no not really i mean the only thing i would note is that she that's where she kind of starts coming to her senses she says like you know i i shouldn't kill myself i should kill <laughs> you right I yeah should kill count lewis you almeida yeah it's it's a good moment because like there is all the 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 tension of like i have to kill food that's the yeah that's what she says when she is it with the tiara uh reveal in the in the in the ten, i can't remember but there's a point where she says i have to kill fujiko mine um yes and it, it really it feels like it feels like she's like being forced to say it and this is like this is the conclusion of that where she's like wait no <laughs> I, I i have to kill you um and she does. She shoots, um, and the owlhead flies off. And underneath, a corpse. He's been dead the whole time. 
What the? No, but how, how could that be? Who's been running the show? Um, well, we find out, <clears throat> according to Lupin, that every every room in this castle has a, has a video camera in it, basically. It's all being monitored except one room. He says, I bet that's the room uh, where we'll find the, the, the big boss, the person who did all this. Um, and so that's what they have to do. Lupin also advises Fujiko check her feet is uh as you'll notice there there is no branding there her dramatic memory right and like it is it's it's a moment where like she looks for the first time at something that has been obvious the entire time um and it, it's a another good moment of like oh oh <laughs> just like something dawning uh-huh. on her at the right moment um and so like it is it's this um I, he says something at the very end of the episode where he says, like, you know, you were only supposed to get um, th- this these memories back. But because of because of my help, you've gotten your memories back as well. And this is kind of the moment where, like, that's most true, where, like, he is he is really, really helping her get back into her own skin by revealing, like, OK, look, like all the stuff that you're supposed to be remembering about yourself doesn't add up. Um in other uh, examples of things not adding up for people, uh, this is also when we get Zenigata and Oscar kind of having their last moments. Uh, not as, um, I mean, by design, not as fulfilling as one might hope. <laughs> or Oscar's, Oscar's going through it still uh, is, is even more wild because of the whatever's happened to him at the at the place. Um then he got is kind of lamenting all the all the failed Fujikos. just like just conceptually this is a very tragic thing right at all yeah it's like this includes oscar in that because i mean that's that's what oscar is oscar has been made made up to to, to be another fujiko right exactly and like he tries to get oscar to remember who he is and oscar won't do it and eventually uh fires at zenigata um just just a warning shot takes takes his hat off and uh, and and goes off into the distance with the other Fujikos. He's he's kind of breaking. He's singing along to the "It's a Small World" song. Yep. La 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 la. Fujiko went away. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a it's an intense scene, but it like it it doesn't give you any closure about their relationship or like anything that you might even want out of okay, what what happened to Oscar after this? It and I, I like you know. To its credit, it doesn't do that because it would be very easy to be like, yeah, we're let's like let's round out this Oscar thing. It is does not get rounded out. Not at all. And at this point, the order of the episode gets loopy for me, and I know you do better notes than I do. So can you walk me through a little bit? Sure. Thank you. Um, so before right before we, we got the Oscar stuff, um, we. Uh, as Lupin is talking about, you know, I bet I know where where we can find the, the culprit of the whole thing. Uh, their room is is flooded with more of the Freulein Oile drug, um, and and Jigen is the one who's hit first. Lupin kind of manages to, to not be affected, but since Jigen's hit with it, he does get uh, high enough to where he sees Lupin with an owl man head. So he, uh, Jigen just. Besides just open fire, like, hey, when'd you get here? You can't fool me. 
I love how little he questions it. He's like, hey, you're now <laughs> opens fire. I mean, I, I guess part of that, you know, they talk about the drug induces weird states of emotion in people. I mean, whatever, you know, you see an owl, but also it's very, very good. Very, very uh, Lupin-esque in that way, where it's just immediately like an owl man. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I did like um, the other the other uh, illusion, right, is is uh, uh, Goemon runs into Fujiko finally. Yes. <laughs> has my favorite line where he he says he's been trying to figure out who he is to her and what she is and he says i finally discovered who you are you're my girlfriend <laughs> so sweet <laughs> now go girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> because so he he helps her get away from a couple of the failed fujiko right and there's a uh he kills them just like no compunction uh, no, classic classic going yeah zenigod is like don't kill those those are innocent women go just like i'll i'll slice them down girlfriend <laughs> you 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 hurry um and uh as fujiko gets away goemon is also hit with the dizzy pedals right and uh he he ends up encountering uh, uh a certain gunman that we might know owlhead owlhead jigen owlhead jigen who, who he has never met normal jigen <laughs> Oh, I think we, uh, I think we skip past it. Uh, I think it might be in, in either, either ghost town or, or, or episode 11 or something, but there's this great scene where, yeah, it's episode 11. It's, um, when they're about at the parade and Lupin and Jigen are at, like a hot dog stand. And as they're walking away, Goemon walks right there to the hot dog stand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they just it's, barely miss each other. It's, it's Goemon ordering the thing and going, I'll have one of these. No, a man can't fight on an empty stomach and walks away. And then Lupin walks up and goes, this one, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll be friends later. <laughs> you just wait. Completely miss each other. Just such a tease moment. Oh, I love it. But uh, yeah, Owl Jigen, uh, because Goemon has now been hit with the pedals. So he sees Jigen as an owl and, uh, Jigen sees Goemon as an owl, which is very funny because Goemon's still in the Fujiko dress. So it's just a Fujiko dress with a samurai sword and an owl head. It's really good. Very good imagery. Yeah, it's like both of them. Both of them look great in the in their owl forms. Um, the show really does like, or yeah, the show really does like emphasize how much it's like truly ridiculous the way that Goemon looks. <laughs> like it's it's like when when he's in when he's like getting information actually right before he buys that hot dog in episode 11 someone's drawing him and everyone's just looking at him like why is a ninja here <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> very good and in this case yeah they they just they they basically you know jigen shoots at him goemon cuts his bullet back and forth back and forth back and forth and it's it's the way they get um they're occupied that way for the rest of the uh rest of the show it, it is it is a showdown for sure uh then we we cut back to to fujiko who has discovered honestly what i can only describe is a video game puzzle room (laughs) (laughs) it's it's this this giant uh, anti-chamber kind of a thing then they all it it has like a bunch of like glyphs all over it yeah and and each glyph represents a letter and like there there's like an upper area so it's like i I guess they're trying to make a, a staircase upwards. 
and and she's asking it a bunch of things and uh it responds by like pushing the the, the glyphs out to form like a little pillar kind of yeah thing. saying like go away i don't like leave and lupon is there as it, well it, all of a sudden a little miku voice basically <laughs> yeah leave that bit. <laughs> and like it i think what's funny about it is lupon shows up and he's like oh i know what this is <laughs> like yeah immediately just completely goes straight like the, he's played this video yeah game exactly it's like, oh yeah let me let me solve this puzzle for and you. just like absolutely running full tilt up the things once the once the voice keyboard starts freaking out he's just like oh cool and everything becomes a staircase he just sprints up it, uh dragging fujiko along yeah like the voice just like can't stop saying shit like you know go away stop doing this or whatever but that's inadvertently creating more and more uh pillars for them to to climb up <laughs> very good it's 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 a, a very nonsense unnecessary scene but it does add a little bit of flavor and i, I do like it <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's like it's a neat I, I think I feel like this episode was after especially after last episode was sort of like, a, yeah, we don't have a lot of set pieces in this one. Let's do at least. Yeah. one. Yeah, it's it's memorable. It's definitely. Oh, memorable. for sure. Um, And they do get to the top. And and what do they find up there? But the 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 big bad in reality is a uh, tiny girl. Uh, completely bedridden, just. Not not in great shape, kind of clearly just rotting away. Very very like skinny, very unhealthy looking. Yeah, and she's causing the uh, the the letters to move by moving her eyes. Um, yeah, there's like a machine that's tracking. Her pretty pretty face. good machine. I think honestly, it's like pretty impressive technology. Um, and and Lupin says, yeah, okay, like here's here's what it all is. Um, and the, we, we start to actually get some of the, uh, iteration of what's been happening to everyone when, uh, the owl who, uh, has jumped off the roller coaster, but is still alive, uh, appears. Lupin puts it basically as, as nice and concise and simple as you could ever want it. Uh, Louis Almeida was using Fräulein Eule in a series of non-public experiments that were human experiments that were basically sophisticated brainwashing to falsify memories and the test subjects were all little girls pretty rough uh, again if you want proof of the uh count louis Almeida is uh a a sexual uh, assault guy uh all of them were little girls might be one of the uh the clear clues that the the show is giving you one of them, uh, one of the little girls, uh, especially caught his fancy. Mm. The daughter of Dr. Fritz Kaiser, not Fujiko Mine, but Aisha. Right. Aisha, who is before us in, in, in the bed controlling everything. The girl behind literally everything. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Like, uh, and like he, he absolutely just kind of lays it out that way. Um, and our owl friend tells us, yeah, look, like, basically, uh, the account was doing all this stuff. Um, and then one day he died. And I said, you know, I, 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 Ida, like, or is it Ida or Aisha? Aisha. Oh, somewhere between the two. Um, Aisha, you know, <laughs> you're free now. And she doesn't want to be free. She wants to continue the experiments to find out her ifs. Um, 
you know the 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 first persona game uh you might you might remember uh <laughs> like basically like being like you know what, what would have happened to me if i wasn't the count's horrible um test subject uh and so like all these girls are experimented on because basically she she wants to see the outcomes of like if her memories are included in in these girls uh lives and they're aware of them um what what will happen um and they said the answer is a lot of suicide yeah she says it wasn't good (laughs) once they found out they just jumped off buildings um pretty rough uh but the um they say you know like we did find this one um because uh she came as a maid it was uh it was fujiko herself uh who came as a maid and uh you know she was strong enough or whatever enough to maintain and uh and and became um you know basically became the uh the uh, the woman called Fujiko Mina. Thank you. Yes, that's a much better way of putting it than I was going to come up with. <laughs> but yeah, basically she becomes the woman known as called Fujiko Mina and and she becomes uh um, Aisha's main. She if. steals things. Yeah, she she, ha- she indulges in tons of casual sex, and she says that was a surprise—the thievery and all that. that was that was kind of weird, but like, hey, like you know that works. That's that's pretty cool. Like, and and you know they they we we ended up liking that, and uh, so we 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 kept watching you, um, and we find out like okay, that's that's um, what a, what an interesting sort of like, it's, it's just an interesting kind of reveal. But Lupin says, like, yeah, it's all kind of convenient, though, isn't it? <laughs> like, I think maybe uh, there's someone else in this story that we haven't touched on yet. Um, and it's 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 the owl. Who's the owl? We ask. Well, he says there's one person who wasn't in the death records at uh, at the 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 Glaucus place at uh, at Eulenstein. Um Eulenspiegel, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like he says the, the one person who wasn't there was um, was not included in this in this broad confession was Aisha's mother. Um, and then we're Mrs. Dr. Fritz. Kaiser. That's right. That's right. It's Mrs. Dr. Fritz Kaiser uh, herself. Who never gets a name, I think. <laughs> I don't think they ever say her name. <laughs> Probably not, though. No. Um, that's kind of odd, Not isn't that it? Terribly matters, but you yeah, know it's weird. You'd like her to have a name. She does a good. The, her voice actor does a good job representing like a a woman who is just completely destroyed. Um, yeah, because she the 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 owl voice like she has a voice changer. They they bring that up. The owl voice is male, and and the voice actress once once the mother reveal happens. I mean, she has maybe. I don't know, 20 lines total or something. Yeah, it's not a lot. It's the only time you hear her as her, but they are very well acted, very, very well. Like, <laughs> yeah, they did at the end of her rope, just years of, of abuse and watching further abuse be perpetuated. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's it, like, yeah, it's very, it's very well done. Um, but yeah, like basically, we 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 find out that she's been doing this because she felt bad for not being able to save her daughter, um, and uh, and and Fujiko says, you know, like, well, like, you know, I wasn't actually, <laughs> it's like I wasn't going here to to like be a maid. Like I was going here because I'm a, I'm a thief. Like I I hope that's okay with you, like to know. But yeah, like it's I I don't care. Like I'm not. I'm not about uh, the casual. She says casual sex and stealing were my things long before 
uh, I met you. Like, this isn't your if, Aisha, or, you know, Aisha's mom. This is just me. I'm just Fujiko. I, I've always been like this. Yep. I the the life that you've been watching that that's been mine. That's been mine this whole time. It's pretty good. Like it's it's a it's a it's a really neat reveal. Um, uh, it, they talk about too like um, the reason that they 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 resurfaced all the memories in Fujiko is because Aisha was mad that Fujiko basically like wasn't directly dealing with the trauma, but rather just locked it all up and just compartmentalized it and never never did anything right so she's like so she wanted you to have it back it's <laughs> just like jesus that's awful um but yeah i think like um you know like ultimately uh it ends up being this i mean essentially they they take aisha um fujiko and lupin do and it is it's a moment where um she's just like we're taking your we're taking your daughter. Um, this is the, this is basically the end of all this. Um, you were a terrible mom. Uh, and they kind of have to take her too, because, um, uh, I, Aisha, like, you know, when she's, when she's hearing Fujiko, uh, talk about, you know, I've always been this way. You know, I'm not your, if. I turns out I was always into stealing and sex and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Aisha kind of like freaks out, you know, it's, demands that bad girls get punished oh yeah god i forgot about that bad girls get punished and then uh we get oscar's last thing yeah uh, oscar repeats the phrase and he's he's gotten a hold of like i guess a gasoline truck and just crashes it into the castle just sets it ablaze does he die in that or does he run away i can't remember you you don't actually see anything after that i mean there's in 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 the like credits for this one which is just like shots of things after you see like zenigata at the crime scene oh uh, looking at yeah looking at like yeah uh, it just says oscar zenigata on the on yeah, the badge like the, the badge yeah uh, which again very sad because you find out that he basically adopted him uh, so it, it all feels a lot worse at that point <laughs> but uh yeah because the castle uh is now in danger of being destroyed like you know Aisha is in this this bed which is like half medical facility or whatever but she's either going to die in the fire or they are going to take her and get her out of there but she is also probably going to die without without treatment uh, whatever treatment that, that that area is giving her. yeah and so Fujiko takes her and says like you know we're taking you and uh takes her out of the castle we get a we get like a a brief sort of denouement of other characters jigen and at govan say well i guess this is a draw and and uh they both they both stop hallucinating which is great i hope i never deal with that guy again <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> absolutely 100% excited to hear him say that. That was very cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like basically like you get it's it's like okay, that's that's the end of their their story here and then you also get um uh, Lupin and uh and uh Fujiko taking Aisha uh like to the coast and saying like do you see this Aisha? Like this is your world. You can't even do anything in it. I'm free though. And like it's not clear if 
um, Fushiko's doing this to be cruel or as a way of giving her some peace. Um, Lupin thinks it's cruel. It seems Lupin a little cruel. Like, <laughs> I gotta say, it seems a little cruel. It's a little cruel. Lupin's like, you know, we, we could have just mercy killed her. You didn't have to make her watch you have fun. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, of course I did. That's like, that's part of it. She's like, well, I gave up killing though. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, I guess it's what I, sh- I you know, I-, I guess you're supposed to in- infer that, you know, because it kind of looks like Aisha passes away in peace, like watching someone get to live a life of freedom, watching someone get to, you know, escape with with those scars and yet without them. Yeah, there, there's there's some sort of, of emotional closure there, even if it does seem absolutely just mean i think like the other the other interesting thing about that though is so like one of the things i love about this ending is that you get it's still like it doesn't remove the stuff that fujiko went through in this in this bit but it does like so she has to live with those scars of course but she also gets to reassert the fact that she is who she is and part of the her being you know who she is is that she just like she has this kind of difficult almost mercurial relationship with cruelty and kindness where like it's almost like she doesn't quite understand the line um right i mean even saying that she's given up killing you know you're still like oh right she she kills a lot of yeah she does (laughs) she's still a murderer at the end of the day but yeah it's like it is it is like it's a wonderful moment where like you get this it it ties in the the continuity to the rest of Lupin. So it's not like, oh, yeah, so Fujika's doing this because she's, like, a traumatized child of, like, medical experimentation. It's like, no, that's not why. She's doing it because she's, she's doing it for the same reason everyone in Lupin's doing it. It's just because it's in their nature. Like, that's that's who they are. They were cast this way, basically. Um, but you also get to watch her do, like, a, a really sort of mature and, like, not mature, but, like, fleshed out version of like dealing with that trauma and that like what it would be like it's almost like aisha is fujiko's if in that way um yes and it's cool like it's a it's a really it's a neat it's a it's a not just neat it's like it's an extraordinarily effective way of 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 drawing it all together it's it's a wild ending yeah i mean it 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 fucking rules there's just no it's, other way to it's great it. like it's it's like legitimately an excellent excellent ending there I, I have like a, like zero notes um watching her just assert like oh you know yeah you rewrote my memory i suffered all this trauma that wasn't even mine but guess what when i came here i was still me i was still planning on stealing everything and probably fucking an old guy or two to steal more yeah i had to go i had to go straight straight to the source <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like it's it's great. Like it is. It's also I mean, it also goes into the um, also goes into like the whole thing with the owls and being like, oh, you want that rhythmic interrogation, don't you, Oscar? And like the the fact that the owls specifically the, the Aisha's mother has this sort of like torrid understanding of Fujiko and all the people around it where like the understanding of like the sex that. Fujiko and Zenigata had is like it is purely functional. There wasn't there wasn't anything to it. It was just sex. Like it wasn't like that that kind of functional action where like she steals because she steals. She sleeps with people because she sleeps with people. Like that that doesn't occur to 
Aisha or Aisha's mother. That like is is not like a a concept within their their understanding. It it's such unparalleled freedom, right. That they can't even begin to like conceptualize because of all the all the trauma and all the all the horrible abuse they've went through. It doesn't even factor into their minds, but it sure does blow them a little bit. It's blow their fucking minds. Like, wow, you you can really be like this. It's really like I mean, not to not to even draw like too fine a point on it. It's like you know, it, the the whole ending is sort of like another version of the. Um, the water gun uh, suicide where like you get a version of like, what would it be like if this really like actually destroyed Fujiko? And it's like, just kidding though. And and ultimately it's not just kidding. Like it, it it can't possibly just, you know, be just kidding, but within the context of the show, that's kind of how you have to take it. It's like the, you know, locking that away in a box. Yeah, it, it's so easy to forget, like, you know, it, you can't wrap up everything nicely. Like, Fujiko still has these direct memories that aren't hers of this horrible torture. And yet, despite everything, she's still her. Yeah, and the last scene really, really explains that, where, like, they're they're driving along, and she says, oh, what about stealing me, Lupin? And he goes, ah, you know, you're being so sentimental today. He's like, where's the Fujiko that keeps me on my toes and keeps me from being so bored? She goes, all right, then drives off. And he's like, OK, I'll chase you. And his car falls apart because she's taken out a bolt from it, just the single bolt that holds the entire automobile. What together. a wonderful visual gag. Like, I will never complain so about cartoony. it. It's so good. And she kisses. The it's bolt. also it's also where he says um, where he calls her Fuji cakes for the first time, which is what he calls her for the rest of the franchise. Very yeah. good. Uh, yeah, it's really, really great. Like, I, I, I never saw Fuji cakes as the as the. Um, the subtitle and that's probably just like whatever I was watching or I forgot about it or whatever. But when he says, uh, he says Fujiko-chan, I was just like, oh yeah, okay. That's, that's, there There it is. is. That's what he says. Uh, yeah, it's just fantastic. Um, yeah, just, uh, and, and, and the fact that they read the, the credits without the, um, the strange sort of child Fujiko, not Fujiko, uh, thing and had that be like the characters. I thought that was also quite, quite good. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a nice little uh, little calm down breather after everything. Absolutely. So yeah, no, just a fantastic series. Um, and and really, like honestly, I I can't say enough about the ending and how it how it tied everything together. I like it's definitely something I want to rewatch as soon as possible. I always get so upset when one of these you know franchises it has or just any any show just. It has the cool woman who is who is you know she's you know whatever kind of strong badass female character and then oh but secretly she's actually been through a lot and she's very broken actually yeah that's why she's cool and then watching this show just tear that apart was very satisfying yeah absolutely like like the the like even her speech at the end where it's like I I'm not doing anything because I'm broken like <laughs> it's just it's it's who I am. No, I agree. I think it's like it it works so well because it it doesn't really forget who Fujiko is as a character. Um, like, I feel like you totally could do a version of this show that kind of, you know, <laughs> assumes like, oh, yeah, like Fujiko now is this like we're rewriting Fujiko. We didn't like the way she was before. Um and this doesn't forget who she is as a character. It, it like it completely lines up, which is so much more. Um, I 
don't know. It, 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 Satisfying. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking way, for. Can't come up with words it today. Links into <laughs> the the greater franchise as a whole, with while being its own thing, while also not taking anything away, but while also being very transformative. Yeah, is is very unique. It's absolutely unique. Yeah, I've never really seen anything quite like it. Like as a prequel, like I, you know, I, I can't say that I'm typically like a huge fan of prequels, and this just, you know, this works so well. It, it I think saying like, they fucking did. Yeah, yeah, they finally did it. <laughs> Like, I think, I think like, you know, like the, the, what you said about like, um, it being something that doesn't take away from the character, uh, as, as she exists, but also is very transformative is exactly right. Like it's, it's this, it's this way of understanding Fujiko that is, you're, you're totally changed, uh, with how you think about her as a character after watching the season, but it does not change the way that you, you can't, ret- it's not like you're worried, like, oh, how would I retcon this with like the rest of how she acted and other things? It's not... It's like not at all how it works. Yeah, you, you, you can you can take this with the rest of the franchise, you know, uh, and, and not have to worry about anything. It's it it works in itself. It works as a as a greater piece of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not you just don't have to worry about about, you know, fitting in like, oh, well, in this one, it, it, it's going to ignore this kind of trauma. No, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's exactly. Still, it's, it's still its own work. It still manages to do everything it can do and, and cherry on top fit itself in everything else. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so, I don't know. Like, I think there's, there's something to be said about like focusing this hard on figuring out like who the character you're talking about should be, you know, like it's like, I'm trying to think like it's, it's, you know, like part of what makes prequels so frustrating is they they tend to like explain more about the franchise than the than the character. And in this case, yes. like you get you get an explanation of who Fujiko is. It's not an explanation of, you know, oh, like how did how did Lupin come about? It's like, no, this is this is about like the character Fujiko. Like we're not. Yes, Lupin's in it. And yes, all the characters are. But like this isn't explaining the franchise of Lupin the third. This is explaining who Fujiko is. Yeah, it's not like, you know, oh, you know, we're we're doing like a, a, a Jigen prequel. We're gonna show you like this this is the the magnum that he's always had. Right. Secretly like, you know, his 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 dead brother's heirloom <laughs> possession because right. he was killed in the tragic blaze. Like, no, nothing like that. And and like Thank God. and it's so I'd imagine it's so tempting to do stuff like that because of course, like, you know, like absolutely would it sell? Yes. Like people people would eat that up because people eat that stuff up. But it's not, it's not, it, it doesn't resonate with the rest of Lupin. And I think um, Fujiko Mine does in a very, very real way, which is in part like why it's so good to, to, to why, why it's so enjoyable to watch. Like it, it plays with, with different um, uh, genre tropes and, and ways of directing and ways of representing the characters and stuff. But it still is like, it stays within the tone of the original thing, which is like so much more important than like, oh, did you, did you like, did you honor the source material? It's like really the only honoring it needs is that you don't like, you know, forget that it's a Lupin show. Yeah. I mean, there's no like big moment, you know, where they, where they play like the familiar theme song or anything. Yeah. There's no like, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of Lupin shows are tempted to like visually do like the same shot of him running against the, the spotlight or whatever, or, you know, famous, Famous visual motifs that, you know, oh, I remember that shot. I get to see it again. Yeah. Yay, it's iconic. 
it doesn't do anything. Like well, that. even when it sort of does, like in the last scene where he's driving with Jigen, right? Like uh, that's the closest you get where like the two of them crammed in a car and like Lupin looking at yeah. like, but like even then he looks up because Fuchiko's in the air and that's like, even that feels different. Like it's like, oh, that's a, that's a, a clear variation and not just a variation on the theme, but like a different version of it entirely. And it's just, it's so impressive that this is, you know, one of the first real major like attempts to, to examine Fujiko as a character at all. And they knock it out of the park so hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to be so like overdeterminative, but I think like a, a large part of it is, is like having a female director. <laughs> like, I think this, this For is sure. such a, uh, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, but like, it is such a feminine show. Like there is like the explorations of Fujiko's femininity don't feel falsified in the way that it's just like, Oh, this is about a hot lady. Um, yeah, it feels like, very, and it, but it's also like, not like, Oh, this is a, this is about a lady who is like, this lady is, is, um, is a badass who is self-actualized. <laughs> it's like, it falls in between where it's like, okay. Yeah. She's like, she's a hot lady, but also she's like, you know, uh, a lady who is, is, you know, fairly, fairly normal and like, like sex and stuff. It, it, it really does like it kind of has its cake and eats it too that way. And I think like it's because it's very honest um, about like, yeah, like there, there's no worry. Like, Oh, woman's going to direct Lupin. We'll say goodbye to all the, all the tits and the sex and the murder. <laughs> and then it's nobody. Don't worry. There's so much more. <laughs> yeah. Sayo Yamamoto likes Lupin as a series just as much as you do, buddy. You can, you can trust it. It's fine. <laughs> No, it's it. Maybe she's not as interested in Lupin the character, but that provides an interesting angle. Right, exactly. Because exactly. What if Lupin was a supporting character? Damn, that would be interesting. And I, yeah, I think honestly, like, if anything, what this revealed to me is like it is it, it's super interesting when Lupin is a supporting character. He's great at it. Um, and who knew before this? It's just it's it's nice to have that kind of you know character focus in in a way that you don't normally get because if it is you know a lupon episode or, or, or you know lupon tv special or something it's still you know going to be the ensemble cast it's going to be you know Goemon in relation to the rest of the gang he's with or or in the journey with or whatever you don't you're not going to get a lot of solo moments with Goemon right. or a lot of, you know, in-depth kind of thing because it's going to be either, you know, a 22-minute episode or an hour-and-a-half TV special where they all have to get together and there has to be a car chase and there has to be this, that, and the other. You're not going to get an, an in-depth examination like like this. Right. And it's really nice to have one of those. It is, yeah. And I think, like, you know, one of the things about it is it's, um, like, it also, it, it feels like kind of, like, breaking down some of the, um, I don't know the tropes you get in any sort of um, like long running special where it's like, oh, if it's a, you know, if it's a James Bond movie, it has to have these five things. Or if it's like a Mission Impossible movie, it has to have these five things. Like, I, I like that. I like this version of it because it feels like instead of saying like, no, it will not have these four things in it. So it will be different. It's Lupin plus <laughs> basically Sayo Yamamoto is like, oh, listen, like it'll still have those things. But what if it also had these things? <laughs> Right, right. Um, so 
it, it's 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 an excuse to like iterate on itself yeah. in a way that the franchise doesn't normally get to do because just by the structure of of the way the franchise has been lately until we've gotten these you know new couple of tv seasons it's generally been like uh you know, crowd pleasing by design, mm-hmm. which is fine. They have a yearly TV special. You get to see all the characters you like. You get to hear the theme song. There's going to be a chase scene, which you'll probably like. The rest of it's probably going to be hot garbage, but you're going to watch it <laughs> and you're probably going to like it despite yourself. <laughs> right, exactly. And I think, like, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think iteration is the best way of, of, of saying it where, like, you know, you're getting a version of this that, iterates in the way that iteration kind of works the best, which is like uh, repetition with a, with a change um, where like you get the same thing, but from like a slightly different angle and you almost like, you almost forget that you're seeing something new at the end of the day, but um, it, it still kind of like impacts as something new. It's, it's yeah, it's like a really, you know, wonderful, wonderful show. Like just imagine how different, like just the first episode on, on the cult Island Imagine how different that would feel if this was an episode of Lupin oh. and not an episode of Fujiko Mine. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's still got all the things you would want out of either of those shows. But if it was like, you know, framed more from like Lupin's point of view or something, it would just it would feel completely different. Absolutely. And like it would it would I mean, to make this about to make that episode about Lupin would be frustrating because uh, like frustrating now knowing the like the what it could be. Because when it's about Fujiko, you get to see, like, the way she approaches, like, seduction and theft and what it means to her and stuff. Whereas, you know, as much as I love it, whereas in Lupin, it's like, ah, I know how Lupin does it. He's going to go in crazy. It's going to be a huge blow up and, like, it'll be fun to watch. Um, like, this just feels it, it, it feels more robust, I guess. Um, and, like, I, you know, that's not... It's hard to say that because, of course, like Lupin is such a treasure um, as like a, a franchise and, and it's fun and like it, it's unassailable in, in so many ways because it is like, you know, it's it, it has such a uh, a long tail. But um, I don't know, like I think I think the, you know, thinking about how this kind of improves on it is is really um, it's rewarding in a way like it, it's I don't know, again, like just a. Just what a what a what a wonderful um, uh, success by Sayu Yamamoto. Rewarding is a really good way to put it, honestly, because you know even if you're someone who's only you know dipped your toes into Lupin, or if you're an absolute fucking freak like me and have watched literally everything, <laughs> it's really nice to to see literally anything done with these characters, literally taking any risks whatsoever with anything. It's Wow, and they pulled it yeah. off. What a treat for me! <laughs> no, no, exactly. Like it, it is. It's like it's a. Uh, it's kind of remarkable. I, I don't. I don't think this is. I think typically what you would see in this case would be it failing dramatically, um, and they they just they nail it. It's it's pretty cool. So I I'm very happy that um, I'm very happy that I was recommended to see this, and I'm even happier that you were here to see it with me. This was uh, this was a lovely a lovely time. I'm I'm beyond thrilled that I I got to be able to uh, to come on here and talk about it because it really is uh, one of my favorites. I mean, it's a, it's a ten out of ten for me. There's just no. Oh yeah, no. It's like I I I'm so happy, and of course, like I'm sure uh, the next time I talk to them, uh, Andrew will make me rank it. 
Um, I was going to say, so happy I don't have to do that, but <laughs> uh, uh, that's okay. Um, I think the... Um, we'll create the special Emily too. Yeah. <laughs> Emily. It ranks number one in shows you've covered with that's Emily. That's correct. I, I, the, Emily, the Emily tier is uh, is actually currently my favorite tier. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... um. It's just it's so wonderful, um, and I, I I can't wait to to see more. So uh, the next time you you uh, remember a show that is one of your very favorites, please let me know. I would love to have you back to talk more about it. Well, that sounds wonderful to me. Excellent. I'll I'll be sure and keep keep uh, keep a, an eye out for something that catches catches. Excellent. Yeah, and I'll I'll be I'll be waiting to hear more. And uh, if you want to see more of Emily before then, uh, you can follow her at uh, I Space Queen. Yeah. Emily for some reason, I almost said Space Cat Emily. I think it's because my my son keeps watching the show called Gabby's Dollhouse, uh, which is like about cats. Um, <laughs> oh, well, uh, Space Queen Emily. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, go ahead and, uh, and and hit that follow. I, I cannot recommend following uh, Emily enough. And uh, thanks again for being here. This was uh, God, we recorded for three hours. It flew by. Oh. <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you soon and take care, everyone. All right. Later. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to. 